Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on this Monday night. Plenty of things that we need to get to throughout the course of the show tonight. We will get to the Eagles a little later on. Reports from practice this weekend. Apparently, Monday was a very concerning day if uh, you're hoping for the offense to be better than expected. Apparently, the offense, Jalen Hurts, had an absolutely brutal day on Saturday. Um, we'll get to that a little later on. The open practice on uh, Sunday night. Um, what transpired down there. Um, I heard it was an eventful show with John Johnson and Marcus Hayes and, and Elliot. I didn't get a chance to hear any of it down from training camp. But I was getting filled in on that. Apparently there was uh, some uh, some fireworks uh, going on. So uh, we'll... I'm sure it was an entertaining practice. If anybody's down there uh, and you want to give a report, you're welcome to. But we'll get to some Eagles stuff later on. We will get to the Sixers as, you know, this is going to be a critical week for the Sixers. If you are of a mind as as me and want them to acquire Damian Lillard, if that process is going to get started, uh, it's going to happen this week. Not that a trade would necessarily get done this week, um, but that things would start to progress in that direction. Now that the Olympics are over, Damian Lillard had some comments over the weekend that, from a Sixers fan perspective, should make you feel better about that prospect Prospect in regard to the Trailblazers offseason. So we'll get to that a little later on as well. But of course, we will start with the Phillies, as they sweep the Mets in three games over the weekend. The Phillies now lead the NL East by two games over the Braves. Mets fall into third place. They're now two and a half back of the Phils. And the Mets seem to be in a complete downward spiral. And it gives me so much joy, just first off, to see the Mets fall apart like this. Like, when we rank teams in this city that we dislike the most for me like for a period of time from like 07 09 I hated the Mets more than I hated any other team whether it be the Giants Cowboys whoever but the Mets are up there with the Giants ahead of the Cowboys for me as most hated teams and I love seeing them fall apart the way they are they are imploding in front of our eyes right now uh we'll get to later on a a pregame visit uh, that they received in the clubhouse um, that may have worked uh, against the Mets. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to that later on and whether this played a factor in the game Sunday. 
but they are just totally falling apart after the All-Star break. With the DeGrom injury, the injury to Francisco Lindor, Javi Baez did something to himself on Sunday. Who knows what the outlook is there? He could be missing time now. Um, They just have not been able to get it together, and they look like they may be on their way to falling out of this race completely. But from the Phillies' perspective, it's truly incredible where they sit right now. I mean, it's amazing how much in the last week the feeling surrounding this team and the outlook for this team moving forward has completely shifted in the opposite direction. I mean, you're talking about 180 degrees. We sat here a week ago tonight and the Phillies had just lost two or three to the Pirates, and it seemed like we were destined to just ride this same insufferable roller coaster all year long. You know, the same one that we've been riding all year to this point, where, you know, every time you get excited, they find a way to let you down, and they bring you back down to earth and make you think, okay, well, this team's not capable of doing anything. You know, it's not worth really getting that invested. It's not worth really getting that excited because every time we do, they will fall back down and they will do something to make us feel like they have no chance. But then every time you feel that way and every time you count them out, like last week, I mean, I don't know if it was looking worse at any point uh, than Game two of that doubleheader against the Nationals, where they're down 7 nothing, and all of a sudden, any time you get in that kind of situation, where you feel like it's time to lose hope, it's time to give up on this team, they storm back, they get a big win, and they give you a reason to believe again. And... You know, while they would do that, in the end, you've kind of seen them seen them enough to know that it's not going to end well. And that's kind of the way it's felt up and through up through last Sunday is every time you get excited, you know, even if they do give you a little bit of hope, you know that typically it's not going to end well with this team because we've been through this roller coaster all year long. That they're going to be this team that is going to ultimately tease you and give you hope, but in the end, they'll break your heart. And a week ago, it seemed like that is all they were going to be. And I thought so as well. But the way things have changed in a week, as the Phillies go to Washington, take all four from the Nationals, and I know the Nationals aren't a team to be reckoned with at this point. They just blew up their roster. They traded all their best players. Yet, sweeping any team four in a row, let alone on the road, is not easy to do. And the Phillies were able to go down there, not only win those games, but win them in impressive fashion, in ways that they needed to overcome adversity seemingly every night to get those wins. So you sweep them in three of four, in all four of those games. Then come home and sweep the Mets in a monumental three-game series at home with the division on the line on Alumni Weekend. And all of a sudden, the Phillies have won eight consecutive games. They are six over 500 and lead the division. And it's astonishing to me because a week ago, I would have said this team has very little chance to win the division. I didn't believe in them. I didn't think they did enough at the deadline. And I just didn't see it happening. 
But a week later, and not to overreact to a week here, because it is a long season, and and we'll hear from Joe Girardi, Bryce Harper a little later on, where they both stress that um, a number of times. This is a long season, and it's important not to get too high or too down. But when you look ahead here, and as I told Ricky during the crossover, there is no excuse for the Phillies not to win this division at this point. With the schedule they have remaining, which is, if not the easiest, I mean, I haven't looked through all 30 teams in Major League Baseball, but it's certainly one of the easiest in all of baseball. And, I mean, I would I would struggle to find a schedule that is easier than the Phillies when you look at, what, eight games with Arizona, a series with Baltimore at home, the Pirates at home. I mean, it just just a ton of the the Baltimore Orioles at home. Just just like the dregs of Major League Baseball. Really, for the majority of the final six weeks. And when you look at that in comparison to the other teams in the division, the relative health of the Phillies, which while they have some guys banged up, like Reese Hoskins is banged up um, right now. He missed... Did he miss the whole series? The whole series over the weekend, um, uh, or did did he play Friday night, Mike Hoskins? Uh, I, I my memory's uh, no, he did not. Bamboo took down first. Okay, and by the way, Brad Miller tremendous over the weekend. But Hoskins is banged up. McCutcheon's banged up. But you know, no real major injuries that look like they are going to you know linger for the remainder of the year. You look at that in comparison to the Mets and the Braves, where the Mets very likely going to be without the Grom for at least the rest of the month. Maybe he comes back in September. I don't think the outlook's that good for DeGrom. Lindor, we'll see when he gets back. They were counting on, when, well, when Lindor gets back, we'll at least have Baez. We'll move Baez over to second base. Now Baez, look, I mean, typically when a guy tweaks his hip the way he did and doesn't even leave the box... That looks like it's probably going to be an IL stint. Baez is a guy that's been banged up pretty much all year. When you look at the Braves, I mean, the Braves are still a very good team with a very dangerous offense, but they have lost one of the top five players in all of baseball and really the key to a lot of the things that they do. I mean, Freddie Freeman's fantastic, but you take Ronald Cooney Jr. out of that lineup and it changes the outlook for that team significantly. And when I look at how the Phillies stack up with those teams, an incredibly easy schedule, I've been very critical of this core. And while I remain skeptical of how this team was built, like I'm not going to change my opinion on that. I still think the way the Phillies built this was incorrect when you look at the long term. And long term, I still don't think the the outlook is tremendous. But when you look here... At the next, what, seven weeks. And that's really all we should be focused on at this point. I don't really care at this point about 2022 and beyond. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But when you look at the next seven weeks, this team needs to win this division. And if they can't, it would be a massive failure. With all the money that they have put into this core, 
and a core that is finally starting to produce. Hey, you want to call in, give me, call me an idiot about Bryce Harper? You're welcome to. Bryce Harper has stepped up in a monumental way over the last week. JT Real Muto has stepped up in a huge way for the Phillies. Zach Wheeler, you see what he did again on Sunday, where this guy is all of a sudden the betting favorite to win the Cy Young in the National League. He has been tremendous for this team. And if all that they have put into this, if they are not able to pull out this division, it will be a monumental failure. And while I'm still not positive on the long-term outlook, they have a real chance, and I would say not even you know a chance to win this division, they should win this division. And they need to win this division. With all the failures that we have watched the last 10 years, all the struggles that we have seen with this team, The opportunity that has been afforded to them because of what has happened around them, what they have remaining is an opportunity that they cannot squander. And I am looking at the rest of this season as playoffs or bust. If the Phillies do not win the NL East, this will turn out to be a massive failure. I would not have said that when the season began, but sometimes, you know, things change and expectations change. And I want to know whether you view it the same way I do. And also, as we've been riding this roller coaster ride all year, and so many times this season we've asked, are the Phillies turning a corner? And it turns out every time, they really have never done it. They've sunk back to being a 500-ish team. This time it does truly feel like this might have been a, a, a point where they may have changed as a team. Do you believe the Phillies have turned the corner here? Or is this just another high in what has been a roller coaster as a, of a season for Phillies fans? 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. But I want to know how excited you are about this team. It was an exciting weekend. Largest crowd of the year down there on Sunday. And, um, you know, there haven't been a ton of times over the last decade where it's been great to be a Phillies fan. This is one of them. It's been an exciting time. I want to get your take on it. 215-592-9494. Let's get it started with Chris and Deptford. What's up, Chris? Hi, guy. How you doing? How you doing, man? Hey, turn a corner. It's, it's such a tough question to answer. You've been on this team for 10 plus years, whatever. And like we said, like I've called into you, like at the end of the day, you're still beating bad teams, but you beat Good teams beat these bad teams. The Mets might not be a bad team, unquote, but I feel like, like you said, I feel like the Mets are dead at this point. After this weekend, I think the Grom's done for the year. They're just not coming out and saying that yet. Baez, like you said, he didn't leave the box. That's at least a couple weeks. Lindor's down for a couple weeks at best. And like you said, like if you said like a couple weeks ago, like if people weren't to bash you about your Bryce takes, you're 100% on Bryce, though. Like, but people are going like, Bryce should have been an all-star. Bryce shouldn't have been an all-star. That's how bad he was a couple weeks ago. But at the same time, should he be an MVP candidate? Yes. That's how good the last four weeks have been by Bryce. <laughs> right. Yeah, and Chris, that's the point. Like I, I, like, I don't take back what I said about Bryce. I thought he needed to be better, but I'll also give him credit when he does step up, and he's been he's been tremendous. The last you know week or two, he's played like an MVP, and let's face it, that's what this team needs from him. Yeah, exactly. Even when he's getting out, it's hard hit balls. It's 
it's tough ounce. Like he's playing, you've paid him to be that guy. That's what he is. But I think going for it, what we got five, what we got six, seven weeks left. It's an easy September schedule. I mean, it's Baltimore, it's Pittsburgh, it's the Cubs, the Nationals. Like you said, it'd be a huge disappointment if this team does not find a way. I need Nola. I need Nola to step up. I don't need Nola to be 2018 Nola with like a 2.3 ERA. ERA's got to get under a four. ERA's got to get down to 3.5 or something. I need Nola to do something. You get you get uh, Wheeler, Nola, Gibson at this point, and hopefully Eflin can come back at this point. You get those four up in this division, there's no excuse at this point then. Yeah. No, I'm with you, Chris, and I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. And, yeah, that there's just no excuse for them not to win it. At this point, when you look at what they have left, I mean, it is it is an easy schedule. And um, for a team with these kind of aspirations and with this kind of of investment in this core, this is when it bears out. Like if it was the right decision, if these were the right guys worth investing in, they will find a way to get this done over the you know last 50 games of the season here. And I want to know whether you do feel like they have turned the corner or is this just another high in this roller coaster of a season? And do you view this as 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 significantly as I do? Like many seasons will look at and it's like, uh, even though Andy McPhail gets ripped for the if we don't, we don't. You know, in a lot of ways, we do, you know, look at things that way where you're not going to get overly bent out of shape if a team doesn't get in if we don't we don't um, there you go if if they don't get in uh and don't you know reach the postseason but this is a year where the things have lined up too well for the Phillies they have lined up so well that any any you know failure to reach the postseason would be a complete indictment of this organization. Um, with what's around them and the teams that they have uh, that they are competing with, uh, they should be able to win it. They should be able to get the, get this done. Do you agree that the Phillies must make the postseason this year? Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. When we get back, um, we will talk. I, I want to throw out another you know kind of uh, intangible factor that I feel makes it even more important that the Phillies take advantage of the opportunity they've been given this season. We'll hear a little bit from Joe Girardi. And I also want to go back to something that happened in Game 1 of the series because I think, in many ways, it set the tone for the entire weekend. So we'll get to that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham on a Monday morning, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, with you on a Monday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Um, It was nice to see a livelier ballpark down there this weekend. We'll get to the Roy Halladay stuff a little later on. um, As, you know, the Phillies did seem to have a little extra juice coming into this game. I'm not sure if that played into it at all. I mean, Roy Halladay is one of those guys who who is like even when he was still pitching 
he had that kind of like legendary feel to him. And, you know, I think I think the players did get a little enthused by that aspect of it. And and there was a lot of energy in the ballpark. I was a little disappointed night one. There was only 30,000, but those numbers got bigger over the weekend. 37,000 on Saturday, 39 on Sunday. And, hey, I mean, if this team continues to win and continues to play like this, um, they should get big numbers this week as well. I mean, the Dodgers are obviously a team that is going to draw. Uh, you got Nola and Scherzer on Tuesday night. Um and it should be an interesting week uh, to watch the Phillies here. But Phillies win eight straight. They are now two games up on the Braves in the division, two and a half up on the Mets. And your thoughts. Do you believe that this team is turning some sort of a corner finally? And I know we've asked this question quite a bit, but like this is the kind of time where you legitimately need to ask it. Like, Is this what they are now? Are the Phillies a good team, or is this just another, you know, high on this roller coaster of a season? And really, I look at this, and I I think this team needs to get to the postseason this year. When you look at the long-term outlook, I still don't think the long-term outlook is great. And if you don't take advantage of this opportunity, it could still be a while here. But with the Mets kind of imploding, the Braves dealing with the injury issues to Acuna, even though they're still you know, playing relatively good ball, the Phillies are in best position and need to win this division. I think another aspect of it too, when you look at this playoff drought and needing to take advantage of this opportunity is the fact that there's a legitimate chance that we don't have a season next year. Like the Phillies might not have an opportunity to break their playoff drought next year. And if they do, it'll be one of these, it'll be kind of akin, I think more to last season where it's going to be this kind of shortened aberration of a season. If you don't know what I'm referring to, it's, it's the, the CBA between the owners and players in baseball is expiring. And we know from dealing with all the stuff last year that they don't come to agreements very easily in baseball. The owners and the players do not see eye to eye on a whole lot. And, I mean, I think a lockout is certainly, you know, almost almost 100% chance that's going to happen. And, and who knows when we'll have baseball next year. So in the last real season, for what could be two seasons, um, it's imperative. The Phillies take advantage of this opportunity and find a way to win this division this year. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. And I did want to get to some sound here from Joe Girardi. He talked a little uh, about Zach Wheeler as well. We'll get to that a little later on. But, you know, obviously for this team, there have been lots of, of ups and downs, as we've discussed. Um, and it's been one of these things where, you know, there have been these these highs where you think they're going to turn it around, these lows where you think... This is just what they are, um, but it is a long season, and that's important to remember. Here's Joe Girardi on uh, the aspect of, of just keeping that kind of mindset that it's going to be a long season. There are going to be ups and downs. Well, that's the thing about you know this game. Um, you have to stay in it for the long haul. You know, you can have bad weeks. Bad. We had a bad couple weeks at one point during the season, but it's a long season, and 
you just have to keep doing your work and every day trying to get better and grinding things out and different people stepping up at different times. It's, it's amazing. You know, we were pr- pretty down after, you know, the first two games in Pittsburgh and we've responded in, in just a really great fashion. Um, and I give all the credit to the guys in there because they're the guys that are doing it. They're, they're performing. Um, very proud of them. We have a long ways to go, but I'm very proud of what they're doing. And they do deserve credit. And I've been hard on this team as far as like the mentality and bouncing back because, you know, Girardi said that many times they always bounce back. I don't really think that that's been true a lot of the time, but they deserve credit because they have bounced back and they have really put together a a nice stretch of baseball over the last week here. And as we look forward, um, what's been most impressive to me has been the offense and the way that they have really carried this team. Here's Girardi on uh, this this kind of home run explosion that they've had over the last week. I mean, they help you pick up quick runs, and you don't have to string hits together. And, you know, it's against a staff that doesn't give up a lot of home runs. Um, we were able to have three today. I don't know if we had two or three yesterday. Um, I mean, the guys are swinging great. We're pitching great. You know, we're just playing good baseball. And they are, and they're continuing to get production from their big players offensively. And, you know, what was really important in this one, and I think certainly important in both the Saturday and Sunday game. Saturday was kind of tight there for a little bit. It was nothing-nothing for a while before the offense finally, finally got going. But what was great about Sunday is you came out and you kind of knew the Mets were in – a fragile state, and I don't know what it is about the Mets, but I always, I always kind of get the sense that they're like a mentally fragile team. Maybe it just links back to the 2007-2008 time period where you kind of knew if you got up on that team early and you, you know, kind of had them in an adverse situation that they would fold and. That kind of happened again on Sunday. Here was Joe Girardi on the first inning, uh, really setting the tone with those homers by Segura and Real Muto. I think that whole first inning did, you know, with the leadoff dabble and Zach being able to get out of it without them scoring, and then Gene giving us a lead right away. And with the way that Zach looked today, um, you know, I thought it was really important. And then you you get another one from JT in the same inning, and two to nothing, you know, when Zach is on the mound, sometimes there's a lot of runs. Um, because he's that good. And then Harp has a, a, a big one. I'm not sure what inning it is as well. But, I mean, your you're three big guys in the lineup that you have today produced big time. And it was huge. And that's really what's so important about this team now is they're getting production from those guys. But what really I think, you know, that's what set the tone for this game. But I thought in many ways the tone for this series was set on Friday night, and this was in the fifth inning Friday night, 1-1 game uh, when Kyle Gibson came to the plate uh, with a chance to give the Phils a lead. 2-0 the count. Here's the pitch. Swing and a ground ball through the left side. It's a base hit, and it's the first Major League RBI for Kyle Gibson as he has given the Phillies a 2-1 lead. How about that? And that was huge, but it was really in the top of the inning, and I think this was really what set the tone for the whole weekend, where it was a 1-1 tie. The Mets had the bases loaded with nobody out, 
and Gibson's able to strike out Stroman, get a double play ball, then he comes back in the bottom half of the inning and knocks in a run. I felt like that inning and really that performance from Gibson set the tone for the entire series. And when you watch Kyle Gibson, like this guy is going to become a fan favorite really quickly. Like the intensity that he pitches with, like he has brought energy. I think both him and Kennedy, you saw Kennedy fired up on Saturday when he's able to close that one out after Yovera. My, my God, that was a terrible performance from him to start that ninth, uh, coming in three straight, uh, solo home runs, uh, to start the top of the ninth inning. But to me, like that fifth inning on Friday night, set the tone for the entire series. And that trade could end up being huge for this team. Now, I still wish, like, and it kind of, it it annoys me even more now that the Phillies didn't make the commitment to going into the luxury tax because, hey, you, like, you never really know when you do have a shot to win it all. And if this team gets the playoffs and they play the way they played the last week, the last seven weeks, you can make the argument that they're talented enough to go into the playoffs and beat anybody when you have Zach Wheeler on the mound for you at least one of those games, um, that you would have that kind of ability to knock off uh, anybody that you'd go up against. But, you know, if they had just gone into luxury tax, picked up another legit starter, you'd put yourself in an even better situation. And while that does bother me even more now. Um, that trade for Gibson and Kennedy could be huge because those guys have come in. They have given this team immediate energy. They've given them certainly uh, production on the field. And I thought Gibson's performance and really the intensity he showed on the mound Friday night uh, it gave this team a big lift. Um, so, uh, you know, as we talk about the tone being set for the final game with the first inning, I thought the tone for that whole series was set on Friday night by Kyle Gibson, and he's already uh, looking like a tremendous pickup by Dave Dombrowski and the Phillies. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back, I will give you a social media gripe. Uh, That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday morning talking about your first place Phillies, uh, two games up. Phils now start a three-game series with the Dodgers starting Tuesday, and then they'll have the Reds coming to town this upcoming weekend before they head out west, Arizona, San Diego, and then, uh, you know, the schedule is pretty light the rest of the way here and uh, talking about whether you think this is really the corner the Phillies need to turn and whether this is just going to be the team that they are now, whether they can sustain this level of play. I mean, obviously you're not going to win every game you play, um, but you know, when you look at where they are, I mean, if you can get to 30 wins in the final 50, that would probably be enough to get it done. I mean, this isn't a division that is going to run away from you, as we talked about with the Mets. Um, they're two and a half back now. Um, Mike lets me know they have the seventh hardest schedule remaining. 
Braves have the 25th most difficult. So the Braves have a relatively easy schedule going out as well. And the Phillies have the easiest strength of schedule left this season. And I think it would be a massive failure at this point if they cannot win this division, considering what's around them and considering the opportunity that they have. Um, so discussing the fills, if you want to get on the Eagles and uh, the Damian Lillard stuff, you're welcome to as well. But before I get to my gripe, I need to figure something out here. We've had called Ricky earlier, but we've is apparently still hanging on the line. I don't know if we've wants to talk, talk to me here, but we'll give him a shot. What's up? Weave? you there. Yo, weave. I don't think weave's there. Yeah, I, I think we've, I think we've went away. I don't know. So what exactly happened there, Mike? He called Ricky and then he just hung on the line. Is that what, what happened? Yeah, he uh, he did not elect to hang up, which uh, I would say ninety nine point nine percent of callers choose to do, and they're done. Well, I hope Weave has the um, you know doesn't have a a a plan that that costs him by the minute. Mm. Do people still have those kind of plans? Everybody has like an unlimited plan these days, right? Yeah, I've, I don't I don't hear people discuss that anymore as like a thing. Yeah, so. well, I'd always when I used to like do the morning show remotes. Uh, Wector would always tell me, you know, dude, we got to get the the pots line in, so I'm not on my cell phone because he couldn't really hear me. But also, to, but it wasn't really costing me any extra money. It was basically just like if I had to sit on the phone with him, it wasn't like something that would cost me money. But it was more difficult to hear and stuff like that. So, but it's good didn't cost you anything. Yeah, no, and it it wasn't something that uh really uh, bothered me too much, but. Yeah, we've if if you want to get in, I guess you're welcome to call back if you'd like. Uh 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um but I did want to throw out a social media gripe um today and my gripe today is whenever anybody refers to anything as a certain kind of energy, it doesn't really matter what it's referring to, but like um I don't know. Like, uh, it's hard. I don't know. I, I think I kind of botched this one. I'm here for the Roy Halliday energy. Right. Or like, you know, when, going into the weekend, people are like, oh, big time weekend energy or big time Friday energy or something like that. It's like, you know, we get, or, or that brings me to another one where, and this is like a commonly used thing when people post like a GIF or something and they'll be like, you're going into the weekend, like, and then like jumping into a pool or something like that. <laughs> So that's my social media gripe. People excited for the weekend. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really have weekends, so I don't really <laughs> care about it that much. So that just, uh, that's so my gripe. You're just grumpy that other people enjoy it? Essentially. Yeah. Uh, 215 you. Yeah, exactly. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, let's go to Harold in Seattle. What's up, Harold? Hey, hey, how's it going? Uh, I want to make a retraction about the Phillies. They're going to win the division. The only thing that can stop them is the coronavirus. I don't know what happened. Somebody lit a fire under their ass. They planned with self-respect and dignity. And I really appreciate it. Um, the game of baseball is like life. It's not static. It's dynamic. I know what. I don't know what happened, but they changed. So I have to change because I'm a realist. I mean, I face reality. Yeah, I mean, Harold, I I mean, they've been playing great baseball lately. Like, I don't know how sustainable this is, but 
it helps that they have an easy schedule going out. And, you know, with what's going on around them, with the way the Braves and Mets are playing and their health um, their health status right now, the Phillies should win this division. Now, I can't believe um, I'm saying this at this point, but it's where we are. I think the way people were coming down on them had something to do with it. I, I don't know if that, if, that is, if that's true or not, but I was pissed off because, yeah, can I say pissed off on the radio? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, well, I was pissed off three times because the way they were playing, even if they don't win it and they play the way they're playing, they're still winners because it would carry on next year. Bryce Hopper is a great player. Um, Gene Segura is a very, very good player when he's not um, not lazy. And like, uh, What they have to do is to play like Walter Payton run. Did you ever watch Walter Payton? He ran. Like every time he touched the ball, that would be his the last time he touched it. That's why I respect him so much. And I'm going to listen to the rest of your show. All right. Well, thank you, Harold. I appreciate the call. And, I, I mean, they are playing with more energy lately. Like, I don't know exactly what it is. I think sometimes winning gives you that kind of extra motivation. And, obviously, you know, they've been playing at a really high level this last week. And it seemed to to fire them up. But it seems like, I mean, and again, it's it's hard because when you're losing and you're not hitting, it just always kind of appears like you're lacking that kind of intensity and that kind of that kind of energy. But they do seem like it seems like there's a different level of belief now than there was before. At least that's the way I'm reading it. Now, I could be looking too much into it, but like. Some of the games that they've won this past week, I just don't think they win previously. Whether it's coming back in the ninth inning on Thursday against Washington, um, finding ways to fight back in these games. And, I mean, I don't know exactly where it changed, where it shifted, but something appears to have shifted with this team. And I... I, you know, are you seeing the same thing at all here, Mike? Or, or yeah, I agree. I you know, I was all for their energy they had this weekend. Yeah, you know, there big, you go. Big time energy. Yep, exactly. But, but no, I, I wanted to ask you. You didn't seem to think much of Harold's, uh, you know, comp there. You know, they're playing like Walter Payton ran. Yeah, I don't know if I uh, necessarily saw the exact comparison there, but sometimes you just got to let Harold roll with it. You know, <laughs> if that, you know, they they are. I guess. I mean, they're. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it, but that's that's fine. You know, Harold uh, has his own comparison a little before my time, Walter Payton. I'll say that like I'm more, you know, Barry Sanders is more like my child. Barry Sanders is even a little before my time, but Walter Payton, I don't remember much of Walter Payton. So that's the thing. It just kind of went over my head a little bit. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in two one five five nine two nine four nine four. But talking about the Phillies and whether you view this as a make or break year to win the NL East, Phillies need to win this division. They need to find a way to get it done. They have an unbelievable opportunity. Um, the future outlook, I still think, is questionable best. Um, and uh, with the health status surrounding the other teams in this division, schedule they have left. They got to find a way to get it done. 215 592 9494. If you want to get in, when we get back, we will talk a little more about Zach Wheeler and the, you know, the, the fact that this all happened with Zach Wheeler giving the kind of performance he did 
on the day the Phillies retired Roy Halladay's number, there was like something special to it. There was a lot of atmosphere in the ballpark. There was, it was a, you know, you could feel it watching it on TV that it was just a really exciting atmosphere down there. And it was pretty special. So we'll get to that aspect of it when we get back as well. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday morning. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday morning. If you want to get into 15-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, Eagles football coming up this week on Thursday, um, which should be exciting. Mike, how excited are you to take down that your first game of the year? What is what is this for you? What, how many years have you been have you been on this gig now since you took over for Andrew Swank? Four, it's not that long, right? Fourth, I believe. Okay, fourth. That's pretty long. 18, 19, yeah, fourth. So Swank went out on top. He did the Super yes. Bowl, and then he just he he walked off onto the sunset, just like Nick Foles. Uh, no, well, Swank didn't go to Jacksonville. He's still here. True. Good point. But, you know, Nick Foles hasn't really had much of a career since since then. He, and he was still in Philadelphia next year uh, anyway. But um, he turned down coming here. There you go. Are you uh, are you fired up for? Uh, yeah, looking forward Thursday? to it. Looking forward to getting the crew back together. There you go. Uh, should be exciting uh, on Thursday night as the Eagles get the preseason underway. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and day after the game, I'll be on with John Ritchie filling in for the camera that Friday. So it should be a, should be a fun day to talk football. But uh, if you want to get on the Eagles, you're welcome to. As you know, I think somewhat of a concerning weekend. Now, you can only take so much from the practice reports here. But apparently Saturday, Jimmy Kemsky called it the worst offensive practice he's ever seen from an NFL team. That's how bad the offense apparently was on Saturday. So, wow. I mean, yeah, uh, pretty concerning. Um, apparently hurts through five interceptions, they said. Um, so, uh, you know, whether that's an indication more of bad offense or good defense uh, remains to be seen. How'd Flacco? Um, I'm not, not sure. No, not many reports on on Flacco. I did see, though, on Sunday night, one the one Flacco note I saw at the open practice and this is a wily veteran move. Hmm. He got in during eleven on elevens a match a, a defense that he didn't like and he called a timeout. I like that during practice. You know, you call time. You don't get the look you like, and you call a timeout. Show some show some veteran savvy there. You're trying to simulate in game situations. That's a good move. Um, but uh, whether you're worried about the offense or excited about the defense, we'll get into that a little more later on. But if you want to get on the Eagles, uh, you're welcome to. And also. It's a big week for the Sixers, and we will see how everything moves forward. But now the Olympics are over. The men won the gold medal game on Friday night. A pretty good game. Probably shouldn't have been as close as it was. Kevin Kevin Durant is just on a complete other level. He's incredible. But uh, now that players returning from Tokyo, the Damian Lillard situation, We the one thing is in the next couple days, we will know whether he's going to be back in Portland or whether he's going to be traded. Like that will, uh, you know, flesh itself out in the next few days here. And if he does become available, obviously a big, big week 
for the Sixers to see if they can get a deal for Damian Lillard done. 215-592-9494. But also talking about the Phillies and your excitement surrounding them right now. Eight straight wins, two up on the Braves, two and a half up on the Mets at this point. Um, in what I think is a make-or-break year for them to win the division now. Considering everything that's happened, considering the outlook moving forward in their schedule, they need to find a way to get it done. 215-592-9494. In a few minutes, I want to let you hear a little bit of Joe Girardi, uh, his thoughts on Zach Wheeler after the game. Uh, Girardi got a little emotional after this one, but um, we'll get to that in a few minutes. First, let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's up, Mike? How's it going, Tom? How's it going, man? Yeah, not bad. Uh, I wasn't planning on bringing it up, but since you, you brought up the Sixers, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like the Lillard watch is officially on now. Um, I mean, this is kind of it for the Sixers for this. I mean, you know, it's not like there's a, you know, a laundry list of superstars on, on the trading block. If Lillard decides or opts to stay in Portland, they just move on to the next one. So this is a huge week, and, you know, it doesn't really have anything to do with anything the Sixers can do themselves. They have to kind of – you know, they kind of put themselves in a situation where they're basically at the whim of uh, Damian Lillard's personal decision. Yeah, no, and this is it, Mike. I think, you know, we're going to at least know in the next couple of days, like an actual trade might not go down for a couple of weeks, even though I do think once, like, he, if there is a trade demand made, I think this would go down relatively quickly. Um, but I think we'll know in the next couple days whether he's going to be traded or not. And if he is, I mean, Daryl Moore's got to find a way to get it done. Yeah, I think he knows. I mean, uh, so a lot of the insiders are saying that be the, the Sixers are next as the front runners. I don't know how the Knicks could get him at this point after everything that they've done. I mean, they added multiple, they brought back Rose, they picked up Kemba. Like, they don't, they don't really have the assets to trade for him. Uh, so I don't really know how the Knicks would make that work. I think the Sixers would be the clear front runner unless Boston decides to trade Jalen Brown or something. But Right. And uh, and you and you also you'd think, Mike, like if Dillard or Lillard, if Lillard wants to leave, you know, it's because you'd think he wants to win. If he's going to the Knicks, like I I don't know how that puts him any closer to winning than he would be if he just stayed right. in Portland. Just your personal gut feeling. Hypothetically, if Lillard decides to stay in Portland do you think Simmons still gets traded? Do you think he stays? And how do you think it will play out after that? Um, I think he probably stays. I just don't I don't see the other type of option out there. Now, there has been a lot of, you know, Jason Dumas had reported last week that, that Simmons wants to go to California. I do see a potential, like, three-team situation going on, like if Lillard gets dealt – where the Sixers and Warriors just send a ton of, of of stuff to Portland. Simmons ends up going to Golden State, and Lillard comes to to the Sixers. I think that's a possibility. But yep. aside from from Lillard, Mike, I don't see anything out there that that would put the Sixers in a better situation to win a championship this year than just hang on to them. Yeah, I agree. Unless Sacramento decides to trade Darren Fox or something. Yeah, that could be something else. Um, but anyway, for for the uh, Eagles, um, yeah, I've been. Clear. I, I don't think the Eagles are going to be good this year, though. I haven't written off the possibility that they could surprise. Uh, I'm not going to go to like 10 or 11 wins. I think they could maybe win seven or eight, uh, or maybe even potentially nine, although I would be very, very shocked that they did that. But I'm still, my feelings are that I don't think they're going to be very good. Uh, but with that said, like, I, I'm not ruling out that the offense could be good, but I don't think people should be stunned at the way it's playing in camp in fact i think it should be expected like now obviously you can feel however you want and you can be optimistic however you want but i'm just talking logically speaking 
when the Eagles finished dead last in the worst division in NFL history, and a big part of that was an offense that was poorest throughout the entire year, and really their biggest offensive addition was a rookie wide receiver, then I, I don't think anybody should expect that the offense is going to be like magically transformed. Now, you can have hopes that it will be, but I've seen some people like, oh, my God, the offense is like, well, what did you expect? The offense was terrible last year. It was awful. Like, I don't know. I just I don't get why people are so stunned or, or it's like they've been so taken aback by this development. I, th- I think, frankly, it should have been expected. Yeah, I think, Mike, the, the difference, I think people are looking at the different quarterback and the different coach. I mean, as much as I like Doug as a as a guy and as a coach, Doug didn't do a good job last year. And I think that's probably uh, the biggest difference is people thought Sirianni come in with this system, maybe work around Hurts, and it would, it would it, they'd be better quicker. But honestly, this early in camp, I kind of would extra- expect the offense to struggle more than the defense. So I'm not all that alarmed by it. Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, and, uh, you know, it is it is a little disconcerting that now that they have um, at least a relatively healthy offensive line that apparently it's been getting dominated in camp, too, although from what I've been reading, a lot of that is Andre Dillard who's yeah. having, like, the worst camp of, of all. I mean, he's going to go down to the time as one of the biggest busts in the Eagles draft history. Like, yeah, what, a, what a turd this guy is. I mean, he's, he can't even block second stringers. Well, Mike, I think they're going to try to trade him this, this preseason. Now, I, I don't know shocked, if they'll get yeah. anything for him, but I think they're just kind of looking to cut their losses and, and move on and – and it's probably the right point, the the right move at this point. I mean, it just doesn't sound like he can play. And you know, I, I think there are probably some team out there that did. Teams are always looking for tackles with with potential. Somebody will probably throw like a, a fifth or sixth round pick at them just to just to see if they can get anything out of Dylan <clears throat> or swap them for somebody else. You know, a, right. a player that you know maybe. I don't know if it would be a straight up thing, but maybe like Dillard and like a, a, a low level pick for James Washington or something like that. Right. Yeah, I heard uh, that name bandied about a little bit. Like, and may, maybe, and I'd be fine with that because the Eagles uh, could use more depth at receiver. But it does look uh, that was that was one of my predictions. I think Jonathan Gannon is going to be really good. Just from hearing people talk about him before he was even hired by the Eagles, he's really thought of highly in league circle, and it seems like he's really he's coaching his defense up during training camp. And I think that's something to look forward to. Yeah, and I think they're a defense with a lot of talent still, Mike. Like I, I, I still think they have good pieces on that side of the ball. The defensive line should be really strong. I mean, it, for the first time since 2017, I think they really have the capabilities to go uh, that deep again with with some of the depth they have. Apparently Josh Sweat has looked like a monster in camp. Um, and the secondary and linebacker core should be improved. So yeah, I think the defense has a chance to be decent this year. Yeah. Now with the Phils, yeah, I think people should be optimistic and, and I will say credit to the Phils because I didn't think they were going to get back above 500 again. Um, I, I said that like a couple months or maybe like a month and a half ago or whatever, but um, so they definitely were able to, to pull that off. Now, granted, I think a lot of it has to do with they're playing in the worst division in baseball, but, I mean, they don't pick where their division is, and um, right now they're the best team in the division. Uh, I knew the Mets were going to fall apart. I mean, I, I've been saying that for weeks. I, I knew the Mets were going to lose like 10 in a row at some point or like 9 of 10. 10 of, I mean, the, the Mets, they're the Mets. Like, they always find a way to screw it up. They always choke. I, I've said for weeks that the team that Phillies need to be worried about is, are the Braves, and I think it will come down to the Phillies versus the Braves. But, you know, and you kind of touched on this very briefly earlier, um, but it makes it, the trade deadline even more infu- you know, mm-hmm. infuriating because if they would have found a way, even now, he's nothing special, but even to just get Tyler Anderson. Yep. Like that, because then you could move 
Uh, Suarez back to the bullpen, and you wouldn't have. I mean, they essentially they're running a bullpen game every five days. Is what they're doing, right? And now, and now you just lost Chase Anderson back to the IL, and uh, this week it doesn't kill you because you have the day off. But this, this is the thing, like you're basically in the same situation you were in before, and like that's what bothers me. Like just because it didn't look like they were necessarily going to win the division at the deadline, you see how quickly things change. Now I'm sure they're thinking, oh, well, Middleton, who knows with him, but maybe now he's thinking, well, I would have gone in the luxury tax. Well, you should have just done it at the time to give your team a real chance here. Exactly. And then if you had Suarez in the bullpen and you had like another starter, and then all of a sudden Sir Anthony Dominguez comes back in a few weeks, then your bullpen, I mean, it's not going to be great, but it's significantly better than what it was just a few weeks ago. You know, with the addition of Kennedy, and then you'd have Suarez, and then you'd have Sir Anthony Dominguez. And all of a sudden, you, maybe your bullpen is, isn't this horrific liability that it once was, and you could close teams out with, you know, without sweating it every time. And it's just, you know, uh, that's why, like, it, it's, you know, as long as John Middleton is, is the owner, you know, you're always going to be skeptical that some way he's going to, you know, screw it up. But you've got to give credit to the players. They're battling. I've never had an issue with any of the players. And Bryce Harper's really picked it up, and I hope he does win an MVP. I mean, you know, I mean, I know he's signed for like another ten years, but um, if he's able to win it, uh, you know, one MVP during that contract, I mean, at least you know, in the short term, you know, I mean, hey, that's something to celebrate. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, Mike, yeah, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, and I mean, Harper's been tremendous, and I'll get more into Harper in the next segment here, but he he has stepped up in a huge way, and the Phillies have needed him to, and really, you know. That's all we've really asked from these guys is is they this team needs Harper and Rio Muto and their big money guys to carry them. And that's that's always kind of been the template here with this team is they are top heavy. When you pay guys that kind of money, you're going to need them to carry the weight uh most of the time and uh they've really stepped up in the last week with the big hits in Washington um getting the job done and really staying hot. And, and with Bryce Harper, it's a lot like most power hitters. We used to see this with Ryan Howard a lot of the time. But we, I've really noticed recently about Harper is he is staying, you know, square as far, as far as driving the ball to all fields. Like, you look at lately where he's hitting his home runs and where he's hitting for power, it's dead center it's left center. Today he hit one to left. It, it, it didn't even look like off the bat he hit it all that hard, but just because his natural strength, it carries out that way. And when a guy is really locked in, that's what that's what they're doing. And especially with Bryce, like when he is locked in, he's driving the ball to center field. Like that's when he seems to really be at his at his peak level, is when he's squaring him up. And just hitting them to dead center field. And you've seen a lot of those big blasts into the bushes out there in center uh, this week. So Bryce certainly uh, stepping it up. And we'll get to some of the comments he had to make uh, coming up next here. Uh, And if you want to get in, open lines right now, 215-592-9494. But I did need to get to Zach Wheeler, who... Zach Wheeler has been tremendous. And while... We could certainly criticize the Phillies for a number of signings over the last couple of years. They deserve an insane amount of credit for the Zach Wheeler deal. And, I mean, I guess you can say Matt Klintak's finest move as Phillies general manager was the signing of Zach Wheeler on five years, 120 or 118 million. Like, 
That is a bargain. Days later, Steven Strasburg got like seven for 245. It's insane. And Wheeler has been tremendous. And there was something, it honestly did feel, and I, I hate to be like the, the sappy guy here, but it did feel like there was something special going on with Wheeler on Sunday. And Matt Gelbin tweeted this stat out, and it's pretty incredible. Zach Wheeler today was the first Phillies pitcher. Now, he allowed a double in the fir- at the first batter of the game uh, to, uh, to Nimmo. And then he was the first Phillies pitcher to retire 22 consecutive batters in a start since May 29, 2010, Roy Halladay's perfect game. It's just kind of weird how it works out that way. On the day, they're retiring Roy Halladay's jersey. A shame that his family couldn't be there because somebody in their family tested positive for COVID, so they weren't able to make it. But they did the whole ceremony honoring Roy Halladay. It was great to see Chooch, by the way. He hasn't seen Chooch in a while. Um, and it was nice to nice to see him. What's he doing now? He's like a rancher down in Panama or something. Uh, and I, I, I feel I, I thought I heard that people had like lost touch with him. But, you know, we'll come back for Doc. Him and Doc were boys. Lost touch with them? Um, no, I was reading all... What, what, the, what? You took exception to that? Lost touch with them? No, I just thought that was kind of funny. Like, you know, near 2021, just like being unable to like get in touch with them. Yeah, well, then, no. I, I, I'd heard that they were like, uh, you know, he had kind of been, you know, out of uh, out of the mix here. But so be it. Yeah, no. He, uh, I was reading on The Athletic that I think he has 26 horses. Wow. That's yeah. a quite a collection there for quite a collection. It is for stable. Yeah, it is a stable of horses. Um, but uh, it was good seeing him there. A lot of those old guys down celebrating Roy Halladay. Um, but Wheeler was tremendous, and Joe Girardi actually got a little emotional talking about it after the game. Here was Joe Girardi on uh, Roy Hall or, or Zach Wheeler and giving that kind of Halladay level performance. I would say that's his best outing of the year. Um, he gave up a, a, a double in the first, he got out of it, and he gave up a single in the ninth. And um, on a day that you honor one of the greatest pitchers that I've witnessed pitch, he goes out and it was like Roy had his hand on him. Um, he gives a Roy holiday appearance today. And I thought that was pretty cool, you know, for Girardi to get, that emotional after the game. And I think in general, like the team was inspired by that whole ceremony and everything going on at the ballpark. And Girardi talked about that uh, a little more in terms of Wheeler having a little something extra. I I did. Um, I saw it right away. You know, I think you're, you're spot on. Um, There was a little extra in him today. And, um, you know, again, he went through a very tough lineup. Um, and pitched extremely well and held his velocity. I mean, he's throwing 96, 97 mile hour sinkers. I mean, that's not easy to hit. It's not easy to square up. And uh, Wheeler, when he has that kind of stuff, is just is just really difficult uh, to to get a hold of. And he was efficient. I mean, in the low nineties going into the ninth inning, and you know, three nothing game. Wheeler's pitch count isn't that high. Uh, you thought it was a given that he would go out for the ninth. Here was Joe Girardi on whether he uh, thought at all about taking Wheeler out. So I'm sure you didn't do it because of the Halliday connection, but was there any thought of you not sending him back out for there for the ninth when he his turn comes to bat in the eighth? No, he was he was going out no matter what. Um, he was throwing that well 
uh, I felt that good about him. He was going out. Um, and I probably would have ran him to 115 pitches um, today. Uh, that's how good we felt about him. No, and, and he absolutely was incredible. Here's more from Girardi on whether uh, he thought about that connection to Roy Halladay at all uh, during the game. At what point during this game did you start thinking about the kind of game he was throwing and the fact that it was the Halladay day and sort of the connection there? You know, probably about the seventh or the eighth. Um, you know, you start thinking about, wow, this is special. On a day that we honor such a great pitcher, we're seeing such a great pitching performance. Um, you know, that's that's what Roy did on a number of occasions. Uh, and um, Zach, I mean, God, was he good today. And he was absolutely tremendous. And now you look at it and, I mean, I, uh, did, did Halliday win the Cy Young here in 2010 or 2011? Yes. He did. Okay. Uh, just just asking. Thanks for the confirmation there. Uh, but, uh, you know, Halliday was obviously tremendous when he was here. Now, Zach Wheeler having the best season of a Phillies pitcher since Roy Halliday. Here's more from Girardi when asked uh, about whether, you know, he should win the Cy Young at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think he is is in the picture as much as anybody else. I mean, you look at what he's done for this club, the innings that he's logged, uh, logged how dominant he has been. I put his numbers against anyone's. And he's now the favorite to win it. Uh, and Zach Wheeler's been uh, uh, tremendous for this team. And he's been everything they've needed. He has been extremely reliable and a guy that you can count on every day. I mean, he's a true ace. And, uh, you know, for him to throw that kind of performance out there on a day when they're honoring Roy Halladay and retiring Roy Halladay's Roy Halliday's jersey, it was pretty cool to see. I really did think it was pretty uh, a pretty you know cool moment down at the ballpark, and um, you know just fitting that Wheeler was on the mound and had that kind of performance uh, on a day like that. So, do they have the MVP and the Cy Young? Um, what do you mean? Yeah, for, on the Phillies roster. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to whether Bryce yeah. is MVP. I mean, there's still some other candidates out there. I mean, I would love to see Bryce win it and be really cool, um, but uh, obviously still a ways to go here. And we'll get to Bryce Harvey. It would be pretty funny if after all this year, the Phillies had the MVP and the Cy Young Award winner. By people signed by Klintak. Imagine they had the MVP, Cy Young Award winner, and don't make the playoffs. Well, actually, that would really Actually, people. what if this Klintak triple crown? Harper MVP... Wheeler Cy Young, Gabe Manager of the Year. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. That would be a uh, uh, pretty funny. I think Gabe's pretty much a shoe in at this point. Um, yeah. And then uh, Wheeler Harper, uh, not so certain yet, but uh, pretty incredible, pretty incredible, incredible performance from Zach Wheeler on Sunday. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four two one five five nine two nine four nine four. We'll hear from Bryce Harper when we get back. And also, I want to get to what happened in the Mets clubhouse before the game and whether this is something that could have affected them on Sunday as a former uh, MLB insider kind of speculated uh, following uh, Sunday's Phillies win. So we'll get to that when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, uh, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Uh, open lines if you want to get in right now. 
888-729-9494. Talking about the Phillies uh, mostly, or we'll get some Eagles stuff coming up, uh, give you what the latest of what happened in practice this weekend, the open practice Sunday night. If anybody was out there uh, checking it out, I'd love to hear from you. I guess the, the largest crowd they've had at the link since 2019, since that playoff game against Seattle, I'd imagine, uh, considering last year, obviously no fans for a lot of the games, the fan, games where fans were allowed, it was limited capacity, and it seemed like it was a pretty uh, big crowd down there on Sunday night for the open practice. So if you want to get in and give me your observations and impressions of what happened, uh, I'd love to get your, your uh, take on that as well. Uh, but talking about the Phillies, we'll get to Bryce Harper in a second, but I I saw something interesting right before the game. And, you know, the Mets are a team right now that is in just a, a really bad way. Like, I think the Mets are are cooked. I think they are totally done. I love seeing them constantly implode. Like, those Mets teams, 07, 08, some of the you know, least likable teams in my history of watching sports. Like I just couldn't stand Reyes and, and, and Wright and all those guys. I just did not like that team at all. Um, but something interesting before the game, a tweet that I saw, and this was from Steve Cohen, who is their, uh, owner and he's does things differently than most owners do. He's very out front, on Twitter, very out front on social media, and tweets right before the game. I just visited the players in the clubhouse. They are ready and in a good frame of mind for this game. Which, okay, I mean, it seems pretty innocuous, I guess. But, like, you're just, you're in the midst of your season kind of falling apart on you. Like, do the Mets players really need to see the owner in the clubhouse before the game? Like, does that put a little extra pressure on them in that kind of situation. Like, I'm not sure that's the wisest move. I think if your team's struggling, kind of stay away, let them handle it. And, and, and I don't think Steve Cohen really needs to be in the clubhouse. I don't know. Remember when, uh, Mr. Laurie pulled off firing up the Eagles. When was that? When, when did Didn't he put like a bunch of t-shirts in their, in their lockers? I don't remember. I thought it was Chip's final season. Well, that, that that obviously didn't work out very well. Well, they went on a two game winning streak, I think. Okay, yeah, I don't I don't remember any of this, so I'll, I'll look to, into it. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to give me more information on it because I don't I don't remember this visit. Um, but uh, David Sampson, who used to be, you know, a team president in this kind of role with the Marlins, uh, he tweets out, you know, to, to to in response to Cohen's tweet, hint: don't visit the players before they're facing the other team's ace. And I wonder, like, I don't know, like, is that something that plays into it and puts additional pressure on the team? And, like, Steve Cohen, I think there was a lot of fear coming in that, you know, he'd just outspend every year and it would be impossible for the Phillies to kind of get past that. And we'll see what kind of owner he ends up being. But, like, in general, if you're going to see the players, like, I don't know why you need to tweet that out. Like, I think it's... It's odd how out front he is on social media. Like fans, I guess, like it. Um, but I don't think you're doing your players any favors. I don't really know what the benefit is to it. And I, I wonder if going in and, and you know, talking to your team or I guess just being 
present uh, in the mix, in the midst of them kind of going through this losing streak on the verge of being swept in this critical series, uh, whether that played a factor. So just just something to consider there as well. 215-592-9494. But Bryce Harper, over the last week or so, has just been tremendous for the Phillies. I mean, he has been everything that you could have hoped for. And, hey, I'm not going to lie. I've been very critical of Bryce Harper in his first two and a half years here. I don't think he is really lived up to the contract and made an impact the way you need him to make an impact. Like when you're signing Bryce Harper to the deal, the Philly signed him to you are bringing him in to be an impact guy every night. And I haven't really seen that to this point. He's been good. He's put up decent numbers, but what he has done over the last week or two has been what we've, hope for and what we expected when we signed him. I mean, when the Phillies signed Bryce Harper, we were expecting a guy who would make significant impact on games every single night. And I think Friday night was just a huge moment. Phillies are up two to one in the eighth inning, hits that two run home run. And I mean, the crowd was electric. It was insane. Then he was able to hit another one on Sunday um, and kind of add to the Phillies lead there. But he's been tremendous. And before we get into, you know, Bryce talking a little more about the team and himself, uh, to get back to Zach Wheeler, uh, because that was really the story of this game, was how tremendous Wheeler was on the day the Phillies were retiring Roy Halladay's, Roy Halladay's jersey number. Here was Bryce on Zach Wheeler and what he has done for this team, what he's meant to this team this year. Yeah, I mean, once we kind of got past the seventh, like sixth, seventh inning, um, you could see you kind of feeling it uh, pretty well. Um, you know, his fastball is a little bit different today. Um, looked really good. Looked like it was riding a little bit. Um, you know, just vintage Wheeler out there doing his thing. Um, you know, seeing him pitch from afar um, in the East for a couple of years, um, it was always pretty dominant. Um, when he was on his game, it was it was pretty good. Um, and then today and this whole year, it's been pretty pretty incredible what he's been able to do. Um, he's our horse, man. He's he's he goes out there. He tries to throw as many pitches as possible and go as many innings as possible and. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just so much fun playing behind him and how intense he is um, coming into every single game. And it's just uh, it's just a lot of fun. And he has been. He's been that good. He's been everything you could have hoped for in terms of Zach Wheeler. Here's more from Harper on, on the way Wheeler dominated on Sunday. I'm not shocked. He is, that's him. I mean, he wants to win. He wants to play um, every fifth day, and he wants to throw as hard as he can and make sure that, you know, his pitches are working. He works hard throughout the week to, to prepare for their every fifth day. So I'm not shocked the way he went out there and dominated. I mean, it was it was pure dominance um, today. You know, that's a good mess lineup over there with a lot of good lefties in that lineup as well. Um, and he was just – he was able to go out there and, and pitch his game. Um, you know, if Nimbo doesn't get those two hits, you know, we're talking about something else, you know. So um, I just think the way he went out there and battled, the way he put us on his back um, – and made sure that we won that game. He wasn't uh, he wasn't coming out of that game. Um, he was going to finish that game, and he was able to do that. And, uh, you know, win two series in a row right there. That's huge. And, you know, we talked a lot about tonight the, the impact of this happening on the day the Phillies retired Roy Halladay's uniform number and whether that's something that gave this team a little extra energy and a little extra juice coming in. Here was Bryce on, uh, you know, Roy Halladay and and the legacy that he's left behind this organization. Yeah, I mean, Doc's one of the greatest of all time. 
Um, I was lucky enough to to see him pitch. Um, I was lucky enough to face him. I mean, not lucky enough, but uh, definitely uh, pretty cool to be able to step in the same in the box and look up and see Roy Holiday. Um, what an incredible career! Um, an incredible person within the game, um, on the field, off the field. Um, the way he, you know, taught young guys, talked to young guys, um, veteran guys, everything. I mean, he was just he was he was a you know. He was a legend in a lot of you know people's eyes and in my eyes as well. So um, it was really cool seeing that before the game. I thought Rao did an unbelievable job um, talking about it, um, the stories that he had as well, and just uh, it fires you up a little bit, man. I mean, going out there and, and knowing how you know how much Philly loves uh, Doc and just the way he went about it, um, how fiery, how passionate he was, and uh, I think a lot of people can learn um, from him the way he did go about it, the way he worked, the way. Um, you know, he put baseball um, in the forefront of his mind when he was, you know, pitching, and it was just so much fun to watch. Um, so, I mean, going out there and, and doing our thing today for not just the fans out there, but for Doc as well, um, and getting that uh, getting that W um, was huge. And you know, you could feel that in the ballpark; it was uh, exciting. And as for what the team is doing currently, uh, eight game winning streak, obviously the best baseball the Phillies have played this year. Uh, and here's Bryce on what has changed and what has gone on with this team over the last week or so. Yeah, I mean, it's a season. Um, I've always said that. You know, I never like to look at the front half of the season or the middle of the season and talk about my season. Um, I like talking about it at the end. And, uh, you know, that's with playoffs and everything else as well. So um, just to be where we are as a team, um, if I can help that each day, coming out here, doing the things I can um, in the batter's box, helping this team score runs, get on base, scoring from first, things like that. Um, that's all I want to do. And, you know, the other things will take care of themselves. Have there been challenges this year, though, that maybe you haven't had in the past just to, you know, prepare yourself to be out there every day? Um, sitting here right now, not right now. <laughs> that's a longer conversation, right? So, um, you know, I just want to look forward to, to today and, um, look forward to tomorrow and the series against the Dodgers. And like I said, you know, I always talk about the season at the end, and uh, you know, I'll be I'll be an open book by then. Exactly, exactly. That's why Mike uh, Bryce always Bryce has some geez. kind of. He always has some kind of uh, some weird comments. Now, what I take from that is it sounds to me like he's dealing with injury issues that he's not really disclosing. That's what it sounds like to me is that yeah. maybe he's been a little more banged up than we've known about this year. And, you know, I, I give him credit for not wanting to make excuses uh, this season. And that's that's at least what I took from that comment. It was because yeah. it was kind of odd, um, sure. but that, that kind of makes sense to me that maybe he's he's dealing with some injury issues that he doesn't really want to talk about right now. Well, you and I have noted to each other um, at the games we've been at just like how long he takes to like in between pitches, how long it takes him to get in that batter's box. Well, how delivery's been like. Well, I, I mean, I think but, that's more of a the, showman type thing. Uh, Bryce likes he likes the music to play. He's got his nice little four song rotation. Uh, I, I'm one of his songs is a Meek Mill song, and then he goes to. Or even, I think he dropped Meek Mill actually. Okay. I think Meek Mill's not in the rotation anymore. He's got he does a little country, does yep. a little hip hop. He he likes to mix it up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I it just seems like he's been banged up and that's why he's kind of dragging himself up there. Um I don't know. That's kind of my take on it. Yeah, and and you know, I want to know at this point like because obviously Bryce Harper's been a guy we talked about a lot this year and 
and I've criticized them a lot. And I would love to have to eat my words on Bryce Harper. And for now, uh, I, I will. And, you know, he's going to have to do this, though, like for the majority of the rest of the season. When, because when you look at this team and really the thing that's changed the most with the Phillies more than anything, and it's what, you know, we've talked about for a long time now is this team if they are going to win and they are going to win a division and make a playoff run, it's always been about the offense. And yeah, the pitching needs to be better. Like the bullpen needs to be better. Uh, Kennedy, it was nice to see him finally come out and have a a good performance on Saturday after some shaky ones came out Saturday, uh, got the save, showed some emotion. Kyle Gibson on Sunday on a Friday night was fantastic. I thought set the tone for the entire series with this team. But when the Phillies were built and in 2019 is when this team was built, they were built to outscore their opponent. And when they decided to go make the moves they made and bring in Harper and real Muto and Segura and McCutcheon, this was a team that was built on we are going to win with our offense and our pitching is going to be good enough to get by. And it's why, like, as we've cited the bullpen and the starting rotation in the first half of the year, and yeah, they, they've they obviously needed to be better, the offense wasn't really carrying their weight either in regards to this team. Like, there were plenty of nights where the offense would let them down, and that's really the biggest difference as far as I see it. Because, you know... The Phillies have still given up a decent amount of runs over the last week, but they have been able to overcome it because their star players are playing like star players. And the guys that they have the most money invested in and the most money tied up in are doing the things that they need to do to make this team successful. And if the Phillies are going to win this division, which at this point I think they must considering the outlook, considering their schedule and what is happening to the Mets and the Braves around them. It's going to be on the backs of their offense and it's going to be Harper and Real Muto and Hoskins when he comes back and Segura. Those are the guys that are going to need to carry them. And yeah, you'll get good outings from Wheeler. You'll get good outings from Gibson. Hopefully, Nola can give you something more than he's given you. I mean, he's been so disappointing this year that it's really hard to rely upon him. But this offense is what this team's going to be built on, and this offense is how they are going to go on a run here if that's indeed what they're going to do. 215-592-9494. But, you know, if you want to get on Bryce Harper and whether you've been satisfied with his performance since he's gotten here, um, I think a lot of it is going to rely on what happens the last couple months of the season. If Bryce Harper can help carry this team to a playoff run, uh, you know, that would certainly make this contract look a lot more worth it than it did even a couple weeks ago. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, we'll get to some Eagles stuff when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Talking about the Phillies here on this Monday morning. Eight straight lead the division by two games over the Braves. Two and a half over the Mets. Um, And, I mean, at this point, the Mets, I just think they're done. I think this is a Phillies and Braves division race at this point. Uh, I just don't see the Mets turning this thing around. I don't see them, uh, you know, figuring it out. When you look at the the Jacob deGrom injury, you look at the Francisco Lindor injury, the Javi Baez goes out of Sunday's game. Uh, it, it just does not seem to me like the Mets are going to get it together at any point here. And I think it's going to be the Phillies and Braves. I think you're looking at the Phillies and Braves now the rest of the way, and the Phillies need to find a way to win this division. I mean, when you look at the failures of the last decade, they have an unbelievable chance to to accomplish something that seemed improbable even a week ago. Like, I, I keep going back to thinking about a week ago tonight, we're sitting here, and the Phillies had just lost 2-3 or three to the Pirates. It seemed like... You know, everything was headed in the wrong direction. They just squandered an opportunity to go to Pittsburgh and really get back on track after splitting with Washington when Washington had just sold off, essentially, their entire roster. And a week later, they're in first place. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball. They have the easiest schedule remaining. And the teams around them are ravaged by injuries and and falling apart. And I think... When you look at the Phillies at this point, um, this is their division to lose. And when you look at the other factors involved here, you know, the that fact that next year there could very well not be a baseball season. Or it could be a season similar to last year's, where it's this kind of, you know, aberration type deal where you're playing 80 games or however many they end up playing next year after this inevitable lockout is completed um it it only increases the urgency and when you look at all the all the money that's been invested into this team they cannot squander this opportunity and i want to know whether you feel this is really them turning a corner if this is really them kind of realizing their potential and becoming the team that we hope that they would become or whether you know, this is just another high in in the roller coaster that has been this season. And I'm not going to lie. It is tough to totally buy in. Like, I'm not totally bought in on this team yet. Uh, I would like to see more. And I would like to see them do it against some better competition here. I'm really excited to see how they stack up this week. When the Dodgers come into town, the Reds come in this weekend, if the Phillies can take, you know, four out of six coming up in the next week, uh, that would go a large way to inspire more confidence. But where are you with the Phillies right now? And do you agree that this is a playoffs or bust year? If they miss the playoffs at this point, it would be a huge, huge failure and huge disappointment. But I did want to get to the Eagles here as uh, they continued working out this weekend. Open practice Sunday night. If anybody was down there, um, I'd like to get your your observations on what went down Sunday night. Apparently Zach Ertz got a big round of applause when he came out on the field and it seemed like a good time down there. Nice to see, you know, 
those open practices back because a lot of people don't get the opportunity to go to Eagles games. And as far as going to practice now, obviously, since they moved from Lehigh, it's not something that fans can easily go see. You need to have a connection or be part of a group that has that kind of training camp access. And it's cool to get to see those open practices for fans who would not normally be able to do so otherwise. Um, But as far as what happened this weekend, I really want to talk about what happened Saturday because I saw a lot of reports from the beat writers and Jimmy Kemsky uh, in particular, who called the Eagles practice Saturday the worst offensive practice he has ever seen. Now, obviously, like, like, and, and I mean, a lot of other reporters were saying this was not hyperbole, that it was that bad, that the offense was dreadful on Saturday. They could barely move the ball. They could barely complete a pass. They couldn't do anything. And, you know, as we've talked this offseason and really this training camp about this team, you know, there's, I think, a wide gap of how people view Jalen Hurts and, you know, what we can reasonably expect from him this year. Um, and as you see the offense struggle like this, you know, is this growing pains or is this cause for concern? And also, like, is this a byproduct of a bad offense or a good defense? Because one of the things that I've, you know, looked at this year and and what I don't really understand is why we don't think more highly of this defense. Like, I think this is going to be a good defense. Uh, When you look at the depth they have on the line, it's depth that they haven't really had since 2017. When you look at what they have at the defensive end spot where you have Graham and Barnett, and then you have guys like Josh Sweat, who might be at this point, the best pass rushing defensive end on the team. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan, who can step in as a fourth defensive end. Ryan Kerrigan is, is I think going to be a really important piece. Uh, People have made the comparison before to kind of like the Chris long role in 2017. I think it's a good one where a guy that's not going to play a ton of snaps, but he's going to be an important part, and he's going to be a guy who should be able to give you some decent production in that role. You got Cox and, and Hargrave, and you add Milton Williams, who apparently, you know, he has looked uh, good in camp, I guess, the Tom Donahoe's dismay. Uh, that was the pick that that obviously caused the, uh, the, I guess, friction in the Eagles draft room between Donahoe and Howie. But, like, when I look at this defense... I think they're going to be a lot better than expected. The linebacker core is improved. The corners with the addition of Steven Nelson should be a lot better. And the safeties as well, you know, with adding Anthony Harris. So when I look at it, I'm excited about this defense. And Jonathan Gannon is a guy that that everybody raves about. Like, and, you know, obviously throughout the course of training camp, there's going to be some hyperbole involved and people are going to be going a little overboard. But Jonathan Gannon was a guy who was sought after heavily by many teams during this offseason to be their defensive coordinator. And he chose to come to the Eagles. And, like, guys don't 
get that many offers and that those kind of opportunities uh, without some influence behind it and a reason for it. And uh, all reports have been that Jonathan Gannon um, has really impressed and that this defense uh, has looked really good in camp. So as we're you know watching the Eagles here and seeing these reports of the offense struggling so much, I want to know if you're more concerned about the offense at this point or excited about the defense. I'm more excited about the defense. I think this is probably a byproduct of the defense being a lot better than we expected. The way Sirianni does it is they have the ones go against the ones, which I personally like. I think it's it's you know good to let each side go against the best that your team has and then see who comes out on top. So I would be more encouraged by the defense at this point, but I want to know whether you're more encouraged by the Eagles' defense so far or discouraged by the early returns on their offense because uh, it has not looked good, apparently, at Eagles camp, and certainly on Saturday, the offense struggled quite a bit. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. If you want to get on the Phillies, you're welcome to. Eagles as well. We will uh, get to some more stuff from Nick Sirianni coming up because I did want to talk about his interview with Angelo in the morning show last week. And um, we'll also get to some sound from Nick Sirianni on an incident that happened uh, at practice last week between him and Jalen Rager and some other things Sirianni had to say that I think are pretty interesting. So we'll get to that as well. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham on a Monday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 to join the show. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little I'm a little disappointed in the lack of Philly's excitement that we've received tonight. Like, I understand usually Sunday into Mondays during the summer, during non-football season is like, kind of a slower show as far as as far as calls go but i i thought there would be a little more energy for this team tonight there's just uh, no fire out there i i mean there's uh, what, what do you think mike are, are you do you just think this is the byproduct of an overnight monday morning typical of the summertime mm-hmm. uh, but 
I, I, I thought there would be a little more juice uh, created by the Phillies today. Yeah, I think part of it is the the Sunday into Monday crap. It's you know this is how it is you know with the shifts. But this is an eight game winning streak though. This is a first place a first place ball club with fifty to play. We're coming down the home stretch here. I thought we'd have a little. I thought we'd have a little more juice tonight. That's all. Just a little disappointing in the uh, in, in in some of the fan base. You know, I have to say I had um I had a pair of extra tickets for Friday's game and um, struggled a little bit to give them away. Yeah, a little bit of a struggle. Yeah, I mean, certainly a much better crowd. I mean, the stadium looked full on Sunday. Still didn't crack the 40,000 number. Uh, maybe you get there. I mean, during the week is tough, I guess, but I don't know. I just I just thought there would be a little more excitement. You got the Roy Halladay jersey retirement. Um, you know, a, a huge weekend from the team. Kyle, by the way, how, about, how great is Kyle Gibson? This guy is going to be a fan favorite quickly, is he not? Okay. I mean, I love the intensity. Coming off the mound, he gets the big double play ball, gets out of the bases loaded, no out jam. You know, I feel like Gibson and Kennedy have brought some have brought some juice to this team. Yeah, I mean, Kennedy had a uh, motion Saturday, too. Yeah, so, you know, I, I've been excited about that. And off the holiday thing, you know, this is it, it, something we discussed a little bit before, but, like, what other guys should have their numbers retired from that team. Like, you know, regardless of whether you feel Roy Halladay should have had his number retired, you know, wasn't here that long, I'm fine with it because of, obviously, the the nature of, of his passing and everything like that. But, like, I think uh, Rollins, Utley, Howard are absolute locks for me. Like, you got to retire all their numbers, and I think I'd go Cole Hamels, too. I think all four of those guys, you got to retire their numbers. Certainly the first three. And, you know, it's important, too, that the Phillies lifted that that rule where you must be a Hall of Famer to get your number retired because they were t- retired 15 for Dick Allen. It's a dumb rule. I, you know, I'm glad they got rid of the rule. Yeah. Because, it don't, like, like, for any team, like, there are guys that if they don't make the Hall of Fame, they could still mean enough to your organization yeah. to where they don't need – like, look at five. Like, for the Eagles, like – you well, know, that that should not be retired. He bullied them into it. No, it should be retired. No, it, it was not. the it was the right decision. Quarterback for a decade, uh, one of the you know most important players in the history of that organization. He absolutely deserved his number to be retired. No, nah. you're. Just, I mean, you're just being a hater now. Not good enough. I, 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 what he meant to that team. What do you mean? We all that winning in the 2000 to 2009 era. Yeah, like they had a hell he of a was coach. the quarterback of the coach. Andy Reid era. They had a so, great coach and a great defense. I mean, you can hate on him if you want. That's fine. Um, but, you know, what other Phillies should have their numbers retired? If you want to get on that, uh, you're welcome to. Raul Banez did a nice uh, little um, l- a nice little uh, speech for Roy Halladay. I-, I hate to do it, but Raul Banez, I have one like vivid memory of Raul Banez, and it's not a good one. And it's that game five against the Cardinals. When he hit that fly ball to right field, yeah, Berkman. I thought that ball off the bat, that ball looked like it was ten rows deep, and you know, I think that was what the bottom of the fourth inning, and I'm pretty sure it was the fourth, might have been the fifth. I think it was the fourth though. But like, I don't know what it was, but right when that ball came up short, even though there was that much time left in the game, I just knew like this just isn't going to be the Phillies night. That was just like one of those moments where if that ball's not leaving the yard, you just had a 
I, I just had such a sinking feeling when that ball came up short. So uh, the, Raul Banez though did a, a really good job um, inducting Roy Halladay and. I got to give NBC Sports Philadelphia credit. They did a really cool thing over the weekend where just throughout their broadcast, they had guys coming up and stopping by. They made their broadcast booth into like a a lounge type area. Uh, Larry Boa came through at some point and, you know, they had a lot of the guys in. So it was it was pretty cool. Pretty good broadcast they put on this week. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in, though. Talk about the Phillies and their eight-game winning streak. First place, two-game lead over the Braves, two-and-a-half games over the Mets. And it's their division to lose at this point. When you look at the remainder of their schedule, they have the easiest schedule in baseball. Uh, The Braves' schedule is relatively easy as well. Um, But, you know, the Phillies have... Dodgers and Reds this week, I mean, then you just look, you know, seven games left with Arizona, a series left with Washington, uh, Pittsburgh for four at home, Baltimore for four at home, the Cubs for three at home, the Rockies for four at home. I mean, two series with with the Marlins. Like, these are a lot of winnable games on the schedule for the Phillies, and this is a big week. I mean, if they can get through this week... Even at 500, like, and that's where you, I've kind of done a lot of good work over the past week. So even if you just go three and three in these next two series against the Dodgers and the Reds, that will be a pretty, a pretty good outcome for the Phils. So uh, if you want to get in and talk about the Phillies, you are welcome to Uh, 215-592-9494. But I did want to get to some stuff dealing with Nick Sirianni here because, um, you know, I listened to Nick Sirianni and his interview last week on the morning show. And again, I thought Nick Sirianni was nervous and I get it. You know, it's it's intimidating sometimes going on the radio um, and, you know, Angelo can be Angelo's a very good interviewer and he asked difficult questions. And I think Nick Sirianni was a little nervous, rambling at times, you know, <laughs> each answer seemed to be like, Two, two and a half minutes long, and I like how excited he gets, um, but he was certainly a little nervous. Uh, but honestly, I, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think that matters a whole lot. I think it's going to be something he'll need to improve on because as we get into the season here, whether it's at his post-game press conference, whether it is Monday mornings on with Angelo, like he's going to get asked some difficult questions, and he's going to need to be more concise and, and just better about the way he answers certain things. Like, you know, he, he, Angelo had asked him one question about whether Devontae Smith would be ready for the start of the season. And it went into an answer for like three minutes that just had nothing to do with the question. I think a lot of that comes with with nerves. But, you know, as far as what's going to be important for Nick Sirianni is how he relates and how he interacts the, with the players on the field. And I thought there was a really interesting moment at practice last week where, because we see the side of Nick Sirianni where he's this energetic, you know, happy go lucky guy. And I think a a question, a fair question is like, is he going to be able to be one of these coaches who can get on guys when he needs to? And there was an incident last week at practice where apparently Jalen Rager did something uh, wrong. 
And Nick Sirianni absolutely lit into him during practice. Every reporter had talked about it, and they said, this is a side of Nick Sirianni we haven't really seen before. And here was Sirianni talking about that moment and what he was trying to get across when he when he did yell at Jalen Rager. Um, just the conversations on the field, I'll keep them on the field. It's, I told the wide receivers uh, yesterday, I said, we were in our film session and we were making our corrections just like we do all the time. And I said, guys, this was taught to me a long time ago as a coach. The, the player and the coach that is the hardest to play or coach is the one that your head coach played or coached. So quarterbacks, I'm talking to you guys too because I've coached that position. Wide receivers, I'm talking to you. So it's it's the standard is high. The standard is high of what we want, and and sometimes sometimes those conversations happen like that. And but it's all out of just the one thing is to get uh, to get the guys as good as we possibly can get them and get them better. And you know, I did think that was going to be a big part of the upside in hiring a guy like Nick Sirianni, because this team does have a lot of young receivers that in past years has struggled to get better. And, you know, when you look at an area of this team where you need to see legitimate improvement, that is a position where you need to see it. And I think Nick Sirianni is going to help a lot in that regard because he does have a ton of experience coaching receivers and he does know the position very, very well. Uh, but another thing that interests me is his approach to helping players get better. Here's more Sirianni talking about that. You know what my experience is, is that if you're helping a guy become better, that's all that these players really want is how do we, is, can this guy make me better? And when that is the case, I think you can coach them as hard as you, as you want to. Now, my philosophy is that it, it, I want it to be harder out here on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, than it is going to be on Sunday. So, and that's something I, I kind of learned from my old head coach, Larry Karras. Like, he would yell and scream at us uh, all week, and then Saturday during the games, uh, we didn't get yelled at unless we did something really messed up. So, so Nick, uh, that's my philosophy as far as that goes. And, you know, it, it, it you also got to be careful because players – all react differently to different styles of coaching and every player does need to be coached in a different manner. Like you can't want things that work for one player aren't going to work for everybody else. And here was more from Sirianni uh, talking about that aspect of coaching. Most definitely to say that you're going to coach somebody, everybody the exact same. It's just not, it's, it's, it's again, the, where I'm glad I have my background in teaching, right? In, edu- in education, like you just, it's just not done that way to get to somebody and, and to, the, the only thing that's important is that the, the coaching point goes through and that the player gets better from it. And so every every player is handled differently. And that's why, you, that's why it always starts with a connection and like, cause you got to know the player that you're coaching to be able to reach him. So. That's why I think that's all important. So is that you, you said that, or is it do you like specifically ask the guy how do you want to be coached? Yeah, I mean, if I ask the guy how he wants to be coached, he'd be like, really nice. No, I don't think I yell and scream at me all the time. It's trial and error, and it's getting to know the player. And like that is encouraging to me, the fact that Sirianni relates it to teaching as much as he does, because that's really essentially what you're doing. If you want to connect with these players and you want to have relationships with them. Like you don't want it to be this contentious thing all the time. Obviously, sometimes it needs to be, 
But much of the time, you need to be relating to them in a way that they can understand and they'll respond to positively. And I like that Sirianni consistently talks about, you know, his teaching background. And he made a comparison that I know a lot of people thought was pretty funny. But I actually, the more you hear him talk about it and talk about why he made this comparison, it makes a lot of sense. Here was more of Sirianni uh, comparing his teaching and coaching of football uh, to that of what goes on in some other sports. There, at some point, my voice, like, is they're, they're going to hear me and I'm going to talk a lot, but at some point, I, it can't just be my voice saying it, right? And so I have these, these things that I've kind of, the, the, these messages that I want to get across. So the, how do I get those messages across? It's, I think it's the art of storytelling. I, I, you know, I, I guess I'm a good storyteller. And then you can, you can have this storytelling, but then visual is so big in our, our profession. Like if I'm going to teach a quarterback how to read a play, what are we going to do? We're going to go to the video. If I'm going to teach a wide receiver how to run a route, what are we going to do? We're going to go to the video. And so I'll set the stage of a message a lot. And then we'll go to a video, right? Kobe Bryant, I love Kobe Bryant and everything he stood for as a player. I just, I find myself having a lot of videos on him, but it's anybody, right? We, the video that Jacoby was talking about was Kobayashi, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you about that. Our, our fourth core value, or pardon me, our fifth core value is fundamentals. And Kobayashi, there's this video of Kobayashi and Joey Chestnut competing, and they go and like, why is Kobayashi, why is Kobayashi so good at eating hot dogs? Well, the detail that and the fundamentals that he puts into it, and you're laughing at so he has to have the right temperature water to dunk the thing. He's gotta break the hot dog perfectly in half. And like, so my point on that is like, yeah, we're all seeing this, we're all watching. It's like, what's the point of that? If you wanna be the best in the world at what you do, right, on the football field, it comes down to the little things, and that right there was a fundamental talk. So it's all those, how does it go to my, you know, kind of what I wanna get across? And, and there's just, we learn from great players in the past and great teams in the past. Like, I can see how somebody will hear that kind of cut and, you know, hear Nick Sirianni talking about Kobayashi and scoff at it and think this guy's an, guy's an idiot. He's talking about a guy who eats hot dogs uh, in, in, you know, these competitions um, and comparing it to professional football players. But when you actually listen to his explanation of things, like, I actually think Sirianni is, like, really smart. Um, I think the way that he conveys uh, his information is something that he'll need to improve upon. But, like, I I don't know. I feel better about Nick Sirianni, like, every day. Uh, Like, I think he is going to be a good coach. I think he's going to figure this thing out. And obviously he did something, like, in that meeting with the Eagles. And I know we've talked about the extensive vetting process and the Eagles, how long they interview and whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't care how long they interview their candidates. I think it's fine to uh, hold long interviews and get all the information that you can, but like they see something there that makes them believe that this guy is going to be a good head coach in this league. And, um, I I think he is very into the teaching aspect of it. I think he 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 studies inside and out. Um and I I feel pretty good about Nick Sirianni. Um and obviously 
We won't know until they play. Um, but I, I, the early returns, I think, have been pretty positive, and uh, I'm excited to see what he's got in store, and I'm excited to see what this what this team and what this offense looks like on uh, Thursday night. I mean, Miles Sanders had commented that they're getting back to more of like an RPO style offense, which personally I think is the right way to go. Not just in this day and age in the NFL, but certainly when you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, who's mobile, that makes a lot of sense. And that's one thing Sirianni said. He said, we will um, we will coach to the strengths of our players. And that would make a lot of sense, that you'd move more to that kind of an offense, that you'd get Jalen Hurts on the move uh, and to take advantage of, of what he does best. 215-592. 9494 if you want to get in 215-592-9494. I did want to touch on the Sixers when we get back. Derek Bodner wrote a piece for the Athletic on why this is a huge, huge make or break week coming up for the Sixers. And we'll talk about that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday morning. Uh, we'll get to the Sixers in a minute here, but um, as far as the uh, NFL quarterback carousel, Deshaun Watson uh, trade talk, we'll see if we get any more news on that this week. There was a report last week that the Eagles and T- Texans were somewhat deep in discussions and that uh, then this was Chris Trapazzo, who uh, works for CBS Sports, had stated this. Now, this was also refuted by several um, national reporters, but uh, we'll see how how that goes. I I do think there's an interesting name out there that, not necessarily for the Eagles, I don't think the Eagles be in the mix for this guy, Um, you know, but I do wonder, like, if the Eagles, say they go through training camp here, and they realize that Jalen Hurts just is not good enough. Like, he's not going to be ready to uh, be their start of this season. But, hey, they look around the division and they see a very winnable division with the roster that they have. Like, would they consider bringing in somebody other than Deshaun Watson? Like, if Deshaun Watson, you know, I, I doubt his situation is going to get rectified before the start of the season. I don't think that he is going to be, you know, in play for week one or anything like that. But the situation in San Francisco is pretty interesting right now because apparently Trey Lance is picking things up faster than the 49ers could have ever imagined. 
took him with the number three overall pick. Guy from North Dakota State. Um, so obviously uh, connections with Carson Wentz there, but they also have Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't like. I've always been a Jimmy Garoppolo fan. Like I don't know why there's this, and I don't know. I don't know if Mike, you can think I'm reading this wrong, but I feel like there are a lot of people out there that think Jimmy Garoppolo is just not very good, and I like I don't understand it. I mean, the guy was ten minutes away from winning a Super Bowl. I think he's a, a more than a serviceable starting quarterback. Yeah, he's certainly more than serviceable. I, I, I don't know if it's the people are down on him. I just I don't think he ever like is talked about that much. Like I just, um, you know, he's just the kind of player that kind of floats through without anyone really having many takes on. Yeah, I just like I don't get it. Like when I look back at this past off season, I don't understand why the Colts went out and traded for Wentz instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, well, the the right uh, from the right, yeah, the right connection. But like, I mean, I I don't know. Like, if you said after last season, who do you have more faith in winning for you in twenty twenty one, Garoppolo or Wentz? I mean, I I'd go Garoppolo every time. And apparently, he's been he's been lighting it up in camp, and it still might not be enough to keep his job because Trey Lance has been that good. Well, the other thing is too that you know that was a playoff team coming off Phil Rivers' retirement. They wanted to address the quarterback situation right away. They didn't want to, you know, I think it's defensible too. Like, they don't want to have it linger throughout the offseason. You know, remember, Jimmy yeah, Rappler wasn't really on the trade, like, thought of as a trade candidate until um, right. the, the day of the Eagles trade. Right, right. And yeah, that, that, that's a good point that maybe. you know, Garoppolo wasn't as available earlier on in the offseason. But right. I do wonder if, like, a quarterback needy team would go out. And trade for a guy like that. And do you think there's any chance, like, if the Eagles say they just came to the determination in a couple weeks, like, this is just not going to work with Hurts. Like, he's just not that good. Do you think there's any any chance they'd go out and, and look to bring in a guy like that instead of, like, not a Sean Watson, but a Garoppolo could come in for a year and maybe bridge the gap? Probably not. Because, you you know, you're probably giving up a real, like, draft pick, a good one. And... um Maybe you'd you want to you ask yourself, to, like, where am I going with this? To address long term. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I'm thinking from the standpoint of that if they determine, like, our team is a lot better than we think it's going to be, and the quarterback's the only thing holding us back, maybe we go that route. But it is getting kind of late. I'm just, just, just something that I think is interesting because I do think Garoppolo is probably going to get traded somewhere this preseason. Oh, so really? That, that's what, I mean, that's basically, if they're not going to start him. Like I think they'll probably trade him. Like he's well, if he's out playing him in camp, him. why would they? Why would he not start? I, I, because I know apparently, it's not your call, but. apparently they like Lance is, look looks really good, and they probably want to get him in there. And and you know when guys when quarterbacks are drafted that high, like they just don't sit anymore. Like that used to be the way it is. It really doesn't happen anymore. Like if guys are drafted in the top ten, they're playing sooner rather than later. So. Uh, that's going to be an interesting situation to monitor. See what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, throughout training camp here. I mean, I'm interested in it. It sounds like there's a real possibility of this Phil Rivers thing, though. You've been following that, yeah? Maybe, yeah. I mean, did he come back in like the middle of the year or something like that? Yeah, or you know, sooner than later would be better, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he said he he's going to finish coaching his high school team season or whatever. Maybe, maybe he bails on Josh that. McCown, right? But. um 
yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes, but we'll see how the quarterback carousel uh, works itself out in the next couple weeks here. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, but I did want to get to the Sixers here as this is going to be a very interesting week uh, in that regard. Um, as we've talked about off season, you know, the Ben Simmons speculation and whether he's going to end up getting traded. And it's clear at this point that both sides want to move on. That, that Ben Simmons doesn't want to be in Philadelphia anymore. That the Sixers would love to trade him if they can get value back. The problem is a lot of those options have kind of dried up or not materialized. Like the Bradley Beal situation, it looks like he's staying put in Washington. And really any of the other offers that the Sixers have received or any of the speculation have been from teams that just can't really help the Sixers immediately, whether it's Cleveland, Minnesota, Golden State. Like, they're not giving up the things that the Sixers need to compete right away. And the big name that we have kind of discussed all offseason has been Damian Lillard. And Derek Bodner wrote a piece for The Athletic uh, over the weekend talking about, really, Damian Lillard and Daryl Morey and his ability to acquire him being what's going to make or break the Sixers offseason. And the Sixers offseason is much less about trading Ben Simmons and much more about acquiring Damian Lillard because they need somebody who can play off Joel Embiid offensively um, and, you know, kind of create for this offense and be an elite scorer from the outside, something that they have clearly lacked. And if if anything's going to happen with Damian Lillard, it's going to start happening now. And this has kind of been the speculation where, you know, he's kind of gone back and forth, whether he's going to request a trade or not, been in Tokyo. And I, I kind of thought that, that while things are, while he's over there, it's going to be kind of tough to evaluate this situation and really have resolution on it. Like, I never thought that Damian Lillard's going to be traded when he's in Tokyo. I just didn't think that's something that would make a lot of sense. Figure he'd want to be back here. He'd want to meet with an organization that he has been with for a long time. And it seems like those meetings will happen this week. But he made some comments over the weekend that should give Sixers fans hope. He says, obviously this go around, we weren't able to go out there and get some of the guys we would have liked. I haven't made any firm decision on what my future will be. So, you know, he hasn't requested a trade yet, but if it's going to happen, it's going to happen this week. And, you know, I think as we look forward this week, we will get much, much more resolution and much more clarity on where the the Sixers offseason is headed and whether they're going to have a real shot at Damian Lillard because if he becomes available this is Daryl Morey's moment like this is the moment that he was hired for this is the time that he needs to prove that he is worth you know all the kind of hype that we that was brought with him as a big deal-making GM. Now, he was not able to get a big deal done at the deadline, was not able to get Kyle Lowry, was not able to do anything, really, to help this team. I mean, when you go out and you, you acquire George Hill, who you subsequently waived, um, 
that was a pretty disastrous trade deadline for the Sixers, and one in which they certainly got no better. I mean, I, I don't whether they got worse or not. You can you can even argue that whether Tony Bradley may have been a better option than Dwight Howard in the playoffs. Um, but this is the moment that Darren Morey was hired for. And if Damian Lillard does request a trade this week, and if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in the next couple of days. I wouldn't be surprised if by the time you know I'm on the air at 2 a.m. tomorrow, we have some new information to report. But uh, we're going to get a lot more clarity this week. And this is going to be interesting to see how it transpires and whether Damian Lillard ultimately becomes available. Uh, the U.S. did win the gold on Friday night. They return home now, and now the real intrigue for the Sixers uh, begins because um, getting that guy would go miles to improving this team, to making them a more well-rounded team. They bring back Danny Green on a two-year deal, so you lock that critical role player in, and now comes uh, the real job for Darren Morey in trying to acquire Damian Lillard this week. So um, I want to know your thoughts on that if you do believe the Sixers will ultimately get this done and uh, you know how this is going to work out. But uh, I certainly think for the first time in a while here, we'll get some developments and know uh, Damian Lillard's status moving forward. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back... I do want to just take pleasure in the collapse of the Mets. Mike, you said you have a Pete Alonzo clip that you want to play for us? Yeah, Uh, it's so good. Okay. Well, we'll hear from uh, the polar bear Pete Alonzo when we get back. And I got to do my New York Giants Joe Judge check-in because uh, there is a rash of, of of retirements going on in New York amongst veteran players. Those players aren't sticking by Joe Judge, it doesn't seem like. Um, but we will get to that when we return. And also, it seems like they've uh, the, they've rubbed off on Jason Garrett a little bit because Jason Garrett was none too pleased with the way he was addressed last week at his press conference. So, uh, you know, sticking with uh, a theme of your show, you're going to do a check-in with a Giants There you coach. go. There you go. We planned out perfectly. So there you go. We'll do that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham on a Monday morning. Mike, you've been jonesing to talk about Joe West. I really had no interest in Joe West this weekend. I don't know. I, I, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm just, mixed on him. Yeah, I'm just kind of done with him, I guess. I wasn't um, really, I mean, he, he was really bad Friday night. It was bad Friday night. Bad, oh, the balls and strikes. Yeah. Bad strike zone. I was uh, texting with my cousin's husband, who's a big Mets fan, and he was none too pleased with Joe West's uh, strike zone. Yeah, he was he was pretty bad on uh, on Sunday night, but 
Um, now, one of the one of the great things about the um, this weekend and about what's happened this baseball season is the disintegration of the Mets. And I, I when I I look at like most hated teams in this city, the Mets are higher up on my list than the Cowboys. I think. You know, I, I just, the, the, the cowboy hate in this town is like, I obviously hate the Cowboys, but it's like, it's this previous generation that has an inferiority complex when it comes to the Cowboys. Like, that's really what it is. Like the people of like the, 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 the buddy people, for lack of a better word, they have this inferiority complex where, uh, you know, they hate the Cowboys because the Cowboys are winning. I personally don't really look at the Cowboys as any sort of a threat. Like in my lifetime, okay, when I was young, when I was like ten years old, I think they won their last Super Bowl. Not when when the Cowboys won their last Super Bowl, ninety six, ninety five, I think ninety five. I was like eight years old. Like in my lifetime, the Cowboys have been kind of a joke. So like they're probably third. I hate the Giants most, and I hate the Mets number two. Yeah, I wouldn't say they've been a, a joke. They've just been like. They've been loudly mediocre. They've been jokish. I mean, they've been pretty, like, you know, I, that early 2000s period when they were running Quincy Carter out there and Chad Hutchinson, they had a decent they had, had a decent run of respectability when Romo was the quarterback, and now they're fine, you know, with Dak or whatever, but I don't think they're, they're anything special. I just, the, the Cowboy hate is just in general overplayed, and it's just like this inferiority thing more than anything else. Um, but I can't stand the Mets. I hated them in that 2000, two, 2007, 2008 time period. And I love how when things go wrong for them, they just go spectacularly wrong. And it seems like that's happening now where I brought up earlier, Steve Cohen tweets before the game. Um, I was just in the clubhouse. Guys are ready to go out and play. And then they go out and they get blanked by Zach Wheeler. And uh, David Sampson, the former Mets president, says, you know, don't go in and talk to your team before they're facing the opposing team's ace. But, you know, you look at this division now. I am not worried about the Mets at all. Like, this is the Phillies and this is the Braves. Like, the, if, if anybody is a threat to the Phils at this point, it's Atlanta. It is not the Mets. And, um, I just love seeing them fail. And Mike, you've been talking about this Pete Alonzo thing. Uh, now what is this Pete Alonzo basically, you know, giving the Ben Simmons stay on that side if you're going to boo type deal? Um, not quite. It's just more of like, yeah. Cause I don't, you know, they're on the road. Like no one was really booing them, I guess, but it was just more of, um, you know, I just want them to smile and enjoy the baseball. I mean, there's there's certain times in the process where you know you're doing the right thing. You know you're on the right path, but you're just not getting the tangible results. So Mets fans, believe in us. And don't just believe, no, because the there's tough times, not just in baseball, but in life in general. Know that this is this is just gonna be this is just a speed bump and a challenge. And also smile. You get to watch baseball, even though we're I mean, it's a game. You can I know it's a. I know we have a the most passionate fan base in baseball. I know that, and I understand that it's frustrating. It's frustrating for us, but uh, just understand that we're we're here together. We're all in this together, and they're we got this. We got this. Just smile 
and just know that that we got this. You didn't undersell that sound. <laughs> Thank like. you. Um, like sometimes I don't know if athletes understand like, and this go, kind of goes back to the Danny Green thing too. Like fans job, a fan's job, like fans don't have a job, honestly. Like it's not fans responsibility to constantly support you when you are struggling. Like your team is disintegrating. And especially what's great is Alonzo saying it to that fan base that sees that team fall apart in spectacular fashion year after year after year. And just support us. Just smile. You're watching baseball. You're watching us bleep all over the place. But you're watching baseball. So just sit there and enjoy us getting shut down by a guy we could have signed uh, for a bargain contract, but instead we chose to let go. We got this. Just smile. <laughs> Okay, I, I, I there was a long pause the first time, so I didn't know if we were going with the with the full version again. But like, imagine that like you're a Met, like I'd be so pissed off if I was a Mets fan right now. You're sitting at home. You just saw Zach Wheeler, who has really blossomed since coming to the Phillies into one of the best pitchers in all of baseball because he was good with the Mets, but he wasn't this right, Mike. When he was in New York, he wasn't what he's been. No, so he only showed flashes. He didn't. Yeah, he wasn't like those. Yeah, he hasn't been like this consistently. So you just watch your team fall out of first place in a huge series against your biggest rival on the road. Get get your asses swept. Get embarrassed by a guy that you could have had on what turns out to be a very affordable contract. I mean, Zach Wheeler. Uh, I'd say at this point, probably one of the best bargains in baseball right now for what he's given. And Pete Alonzo says that, like, to the fans, like, don't worry, we we got, we got, I love him just saying, we got this. It's like he's trying to convince himself that they got it. Like, believe in us. And don't just believe, no. <laughs> he sounds like Gabe a little bit. This is maybe a, a you know, half a Gabe Kapler check-in just based on Pete Alonzo's comments here. But, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it just it's it's unbelievable. Like it's not fans' job, and I I'm loath to stick up for Mets fans here, but like it's not fans' job to support you when you're getting your ass kicked by your division rival. You just lost three or four to the Marlins. You come into Philadelphia, you get swept. You're two and a half out. You went from first place in the division, a division that you were uh, ten days ago. The Mets They're were four and a half heavily favored to win this division. And now, like, I don't know. I don't even think they have a chance. Like, I no. guess they do. But, like, uh, it's it's that's amazing to me. That's amazing. Thank you for finding that, Mike. Thank that you. That's one of my, my favorite finds of the year. That was good sound. That was uh, that, that did not did not disappoint. Uh, who do the Mets have up next, by the way? Are they just going to keep floundering here? I think they got some natitude. Okay, well, that's they, they, nothing better to get back on track than playing the Nats. So uh, maybe the Mets will get back on track this week. But they do. Um, their next four series after that are Dodgers, Giants, Dodgers, Giants. Okay, well that 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 does not seem to be boding well for them. I'm I'm interested to see how the Phillies do with the Dodgers this week. This is the real, you know, test here. If they can win two or three from the Dodgers, I think you'll really get the energy up, especially because there's no Wheeler in this series. So I figure, I guess the Phils will go Nola and then um, Gibson's confirmed Gibson, Wednesday. And then I guess it has to be Ranger. 
you don't. I mean, Anderson's on the IL now. Or do you bring Matt Moore back? And that's what I'd do. I'd bring Matt Moore back into the rotation, move Ranger back to the bullpen. Like, it, and like Ranger didn't look great on Saturday. He was still able to get through what four innings or three and two thirds, whatever he did. Mm-hmm. And like, but I just don't. It's it's still not worth it to me to move him into the rotation. It's still not worth what it takes away from the bullpen. Like, I, I'm not going to be supportive of this decision. I, I don't get, I don't get what they're doing here. Maybe Vince's blister will be all gone by then. No, I'm not. No, I'm good on Vince. I'll, I'd rather stick with the stick with Ranger Suarez. No, I meant for the, the Chase Anderson spot. They eventually have to replace. No, I I, I don't I, I don't want to see Vince anymore. Yeah. Like I, you know, f- Bailey Fulter when he gets ready. I mean, if he ever oh right, gets I forgot ready. about him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If Bailey Fulter ever comes back. Um, that's the guy that, that I would slot in. Just no, no more Vince. Is Vince is on the IL now, right? He that that's where he is now. Yeah, he's got okay. a blister. Okay, uh, I, I'm I'm good on Vince. I'm I'm done with Vince at this point. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, I did need to check in on uh, on the Giants and my boy Joe Judge though, because we talked about it last week. The big brawl out there at practice, which. <laughs> Joe Judge, he made some sort of comment. I'm not sure exactly what he said, um, but but he said something like he he got really excited by that brawl, and he might have used a different term. I, I don't want to misquote in case I saw this from like a a a parody site or something. Um, but I believe that Joe Judge said, you know, he got really excited by the brawl that took place last week at Giants practice when he made guys run wind sprints and had them doing push-ups and all this stuff. And me and Mike had argued that, you know, the validity of Joe Judge as a head coach. I think the guy's a total clown. And I think this whole tough guy persona is not going to wear well with players and is going to lose that locker room pretty quickly here. And you're starting to see it at training camp where the Giants in a matter of a few days have had multiple veteran players just retire out of nowhere. Uh, Zach Fulton is the latest one. Joe Thune, or Joe Looney, uh, an offensive lineman, um, played, I believe, with the pa- uh, Patriots for a while, uh, and linebacker Todd Davis. So in a matter of like a week, they've had three or four veteran players just retire out of nowhere, and this is after the whole Kelvin Benjamin fiasco that took place last week. But like this Joe judge tough guy act, this is just not going to work out. Wait a minute. What made it a fiasco? The Kelvin Benjamin thing. Yeah. It's like no harm. Like well, who cares? Yeah. Well, he, he bashed him for it and everything like that. But what do you make of these players retiring? Mike, you, you think there's any concern there that a bunch of veterans just start retiring because they're tired of this it, guy's nonsense. Didn't sound like they're ready to compete. So, yeah, you know, right. I guess they're a better team without them. All right. Um, but th- whatever. They're going to be a disaster. I've already said I will get my first guarantee of the NFL season is the Giants finish last in this division. There's no doubt about it in my mind. But, like, this is also, I guess, like, something that is uh, spread to other people in the organization. Because Jason Garrett, in his time with Dallas, was never a guy that was, like, contentious or never had really any kind of 
personality that I can remember in any kind of meaningful way. But I think like Joe Judge is intent on building a tough team and a tough coaching staff, I guess. And they, they, they're all trying to take this like tough guy mentality. And there was something that would happen at, at Jason Garrett's press conference last week. <laughs> where he's he well first he addresses the media and then he's upset they don't address him back here, here we'll just let you hear here's Jason Garrett signing off last week at his offensive coordinator press conference yeah good to see you guys good to see you guys yeah yeah we say good to see you coach that's how we do it well Jason good to see you coach that's how, that's how we, we do, do it, it. Good to see you. <laughs> First, he's, the best part about it, though, is he says, good to see you guys, and nobody says anything back to him. And then he says, say it louder, good to see you guys. And they go, good to see you, Jason. Call me coach. That's how we do it here. We I will mean, never do that as long as I'm the head coach of the New York Giants. There you go. You're coming around, Mike. Uh, but it's just, like, is this like a... a is this like a uh, Joe Judge-inspired thing with Garrett here? Where I, I wonder if Joe Judge told Garrett, like, you make them call you coach at that press conference. I wonder if uh, what the great Chappie Moore would do, like how he would handle that. Yeah, I do too. But And the best part is Ron Rivera trolled the Giants at his press conference where he uh, signs off, and uh, they called him Ron, and Ron Rivera said, hey, call me coach. And then he laughed and he said, no, nah, you can call me whatever you want. We're all adults here. You can call me whatever you want, want to call me. Um, but uh, this, this whole this whole Giants tough guy routine is is going to be is going to be hilarious to watch implode. Uh, and they're all wearing shirts now that say fight uh, it, with like the Giants logo. Jason Garrett was photographed uh, wearing this uh, wearing this shirt as well. So. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a disaster. Uh, let's go to our buddy, Peter and Lawrence. What's up, Peter? Well, I'm very happy of how they played this weekend. To there get you go. in first place by Wait, two are you and talking, a half. Are you talking about the Phillies or the Yankees? I'm, I haven't been watching the Yankees. No. I've been watching Past the Beans what's with my bad? family. What's, what's, what's that? <laughs> but, uh, okay. you know, I, the, the, the Phillies... Did great against the Mets. I think they showed poise. I think uh, Girardi had a little weight taken off his shoulders. And um, this is going to be, on Tuesday, they're facing Scherzer. They are. They're facing Scherzer against Noel on Tuesday. Does not seem to be a favorable pitching matchup for the Phillies. No, but you can never tell in a short series... And Nola is due. He better be due, Peter. I mean, he's been disappointing all year. If he can have a good good seven innings, and if, uh, pray to God, Ian Anderson does not give up a hit, a run. Ian Kennedy. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, Chase Anderson on the DL does not make me happy. Doesn't. So. Yep. No, it's it's that that is not good, Peter. They don't have a lot of depth in that starting rotation. Yeah, I've been listening off and on all night, staying up mm-hmm. in case my father got up to walk around the house. Well, thank you, Peter. I appreciate it. But um, you know, it's uh, I I I felt great. Well, that's you good. Know, I was I was 
I was a little worried on Saturday's game when, when Suarez went down. Yeah, when Yovera gave up those three solo shots, that wasn't good. Yes, back to back to back. Yep. And to Conforto. Yep. That one was unexpected. And then you had to bring in Kennedy, and it messed up the entire thing because you could have given them a couple a couple of days off to rest his arm and get his head together. Because when, when he gave up the home run on Friday's game, I was saying to myself in the ninth inning, here we go again. Yeah. So, no, I hear you, Peter. I appreciate it, man. And also on the Giants and Joe Judge. Yes. Did you refer to Chappie Moore as coach? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is going to be interesting because if he loses the uh, clubhouse – when you got a bunch of veterans saying so long, farewell, sayonara, mm-hmm. that's not good. That's like going from Cy Young to sayonara and uh, work, uh, working in the circus, as Nettles used to say. It, it's it's going to be very interesting, and I think it would work into the Eagles' favor. Yeah. The more the more they are not happy. On the Giants clubhouse, if the Eagles can get themselves together and Jalen Hurts goes from having a bad week to a good week, mm-hmm. you've got a season. I hear you, Peter. I appreciate the call, and we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the Giants are going to be a disaster. I, I, <laughs> the, the Garrett thing was just hilarious to me. You can call me coach. That's how we, that's how we do it here. Um <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike, you got to be questioning your allegiances here to this team. Like, you got to be questioning whether what you, uh, I don't have an allegiance to them. I mean, you stick, you stick out, you stick up for Joe Judge pretty, uh, pretty substantially. He seems like a good uh, coach. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, all right, all right. we'll see. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. We get back, we'll kind of recap some of the things we've been talking about, and once again, I want to let you hear from Joe Girardi and Bryce Harper. After the game, a big Phil's win on Sunday. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for 
a couple more minutes here. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Um, talking, obviously, about the Phillies a lot tonight as they had won their eighth straight game on Sunday. Roy Halladay getting his jersey retired at the at the ballpark on Sunday. And a great atmosphere. And great to see, you know, a pretty full park. Um a lot of Mets fans there as well. Certainly not, didn't seem like as many on Sunday, but the Phillies able to sweep the Mets in their series. Uh, they've won eight in a row, day off Monday. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of question whether that is a good thing or a bad thing for this team. You probably think they want to continue playing at this point, but they, you know, had a, a bunch of days in a row they've, they've played. Um, so maybe not the worst thing for a day off here. Well, for a team with four starters, it's a good thing. Right, yeah. Now, that's a good point because, yeah, uh, Chase Anderson on the IL, so the Phils do get a chance to buy um, another, uh, to bypass that fifth starter in the rotation this time around. So we've been discussing that. Uh, talked to Little Eagles as they had their open practice Sunday night. Saturday, apparently the offense had a really ugly day of practice. Uh, whether that is, you know, more a byproduct of the offense struggling and the a negative sign for them moving forward or whether this is the defense uh, and the fact that defense is going to be better than expected. And this week with the Sixers, um, it's going to be very interesting because there's going to be anything going on the Damian Lillard front. This is the week that it's going to happen. Um, The men's basketball team is now returned. They win the gold medal. And, you know, you'd figure if he is going to be traded, Maybe that doesn't happen for a couple weeks, but you'll definitely get more buildup. And if he's going to request the trade, you'd figure it would happen now. Said he wanted to see what the Blazers would do. They really didn't do anything. They re-signed a couple of the guys they had, um, but didn't really go out and make any significant moves. And I would expect Damian Lillard to request the trade formally. And if he does, uh, the Sixers need to go out and get him. So, been talking about that. But obviously, it was a big day for the Phillies on Sunday. Uh, getting that win um, and really turning this season around. And we've been talking about whether this is truly a turning point for them or whether this is just another high on this roller coaster of a season where every time you get excited, they've kind of brought you back down to earth. And every time you've kind of been ready to give up on them, they do something to give you hope. Now, this does feel different. I'll say that. This feels different than the highs they've had earlier on in the year. And here's Joe Girardi on keeping everything in perspective and looking at it as, as being a longer season. Well, that's the thing about, you know, this game. Um, you have to stay in it for the long haul. You know, you can have bad weeks. Bad. We had a bad couple weeks at one point during the season, but it's a long season. And you just have to keep doing your work and every day trying to get better and grinding things out and different people stepping up at different times. It's, it's amazing. You know, we were pretty down after, you know, the first two games in Pittsburgh and we've responded in, in just a really great fashion. Um, And I give all the credit to the guys in there because they're the guys that are doing it. They're, they're performing. Um, Very proud of them. We have a long ways to go, but I'm very proud of what they're doing. And a big reason why has been the offense over the last eight days and, I mean, if this team's going to accomplish anything, it's going to be on the backs of that offense. Here's Girardi on, on, you know, the way they've kind of started hitting a lot more home runs recently. I mean, they help you pick up quick runs, and you don't have to string hits together. And 
you know, it's against a staff that doesn't give up a lot of home runs. Um, we were able to have three today. I don't know if we had two or three yesterday. Um, I mean, the guys are swinging great, we're pitching great. You know, we're just playing good baseball. And it is the best they've played all year, uh, certainly. And Sunday, Phil's got it started right away. Gene Segura comes out, home run. JT Romuto, home run as well. Here was Girardi on uh, the Phil setting that tone early. I think that whole first inning did, you know, with the leadoff dabble and Zach being able to get out of it without them scoring and then Gene giving us a lead right away. And with the way that Zach looked today, um, you know, I thought it was really important. And then you you get another one from JT in the same inning and two to nothing, you know, when Zach is on the mound, sometimes there's a lot of runs um, because he's that good. And then Harp has a, a big one. I'm not sure what inning it is as well, but I mean, your your three big guys in the lineup that you have today produced big time. And you know, if this team is going to go far, it's going to be those guys in the lineup getting the job done. And it'll be fun to see they'll get Freddie Galvis back. I think in the next couple of weeks, he should add a little something as far as another depth guy that you can you can throw in there um and certainly give some some starts as well uh but uh, you know they set the tone in this game on Sunday and I think Kyle Gibson really set the tone on Friday night when he came out got a big double play ball got a base hit to put the fills in front showed a lot of emotion and I think that guy's going to be a fan favorite pretty quickly here but Zach Wheeler on Sunday was just tremendous. And for him to do it on the day, the retiring Holiday, Holiday's jersey was just pretty cool moment. Here was Joe Girardi on Wheeler uh, giving that Holiday-esque performance. I would say that's his best outing of the year. Um, he gave up a, a, a double in the first, he got out of it, and he gave up a single in the ninth. And um, on a day that you honor one of the greatest pitchers that I've witnessed pitch, he goes out, and it was like Roy had his hand on him. Um, he gives a Roy Holiday appearance today. And Girardi, obviously emotional talking about it after the game. Here was more on uh, Wheeler having some extra emotion. I, I did. Um, I saw it right away. You know, I think you're you're spot on. Um, there was a little extra in him today. And, um, you know, again, he went through a very tough lineup um, and pitched extremely well. And, Held his velocity. I mean, he's throwing 96, 97 mile hour sinkers. I mean, that's not easy to hit. It's not easy to square up. And, you know, you look at this game, at, at some points, I think maybe Girardi would go to the bullpen, not give Wheeler, um, not run his pitch count up too high, but here was Girardi on whether he, uh, when asked whether he considered taking Wheeler out for the ninth inning. So I'm sure you didn't do it because of the Halliday connection, but was there any thought of you not sending him back out for there for the ninth when he, his turn comes to bat in the eighth. No, he was he was going out no matter what. Um, he was throwing that well. Uh, I felt that good about him. He was going out, um, and I probably would have ran him to 115 pitches um, today. Uh, that's how good we felt about him. And he was that good, and it does make you think about Roy Halladay on this day. It's hard not to. And and Matt Gelbin tweeted out this was the first time since Halladay's perfect game that a Phillies pitcher has retired 22 straight hitters, which is just kind of a crazy stat. Um, obviously very difficult to do, uh, but the fact that Wheeler would do it on this day is pretty crazy. Here's more when Girardi was asked about when he thought about the connection of Roy Halladay. 
at what point during this game did you start thinking about the kind of game he was throwing and the fact that it was the holiday day and sort of the connection there? You know, probably about the seventh or the eighth. Um, you know, you start thinking about, wow, this is special on a day that we honor such a great pitcher. We're seeing such a great pitching performance. Um, you know, that's, that's what Roy did on a number of occasions. Uh, and um, Zach, I mean, God, was he good today? And he, he was tremendous. And now you look at the Cy Young race and Wheeler is a legitimate contender and the favorite as of right now. Um, and here was Joe Girardi on whether Wheeler should get that award. Yeah, I mean, I think he is is in the picture as much as anybody else. I mean, you look at what he's done for this club, the innings that he's logs, uh, logged, how dominant he has been. I put his numbers against anyone's. And, I mean, I think Wheeler's got to be the guy at this point uh, to to get that Cy Young. He's been tremendous all year. Uh, and here's Bryce Harper with more on, on what he thinks of Wheeler. Yeah, I mean, once we kind of got past the seventh, like sixth, seventh inning, um, you could see you kind of feeling it um, pretty well. Um, you know, his fastball is a little bit different today. Um, looked really good. Looked like it was riding a little bit. Um, you know, just vintage Wheeler out there doing his thing. Um, you know, seeing him pitch from afar um, in the East for a couple of years, um, it was always pretty dominant. Um, when he was on his game, it was it was pretty good. Um, and then today and this whole year, it's been pretty pretty incredible what he's been able to do. Um, he's our horse, man. He's he's he goes out there. He tries to throw as many pitches as possible and go as many innings as possible. And uh, you know, it's just it's just so much fun playing behind him and how intense he is um, coming into every single game. And it's just uh, it's just a lot of fun. And I mean, Wheeler, you just can't ask for anything more. And Obviously, as we talked about, doing it on the Roy Halladay um, retirement day was, was was pretty special. Here was Bryce on uh, Roy Halladay and the legacy he's left behind. Yeah, I mean, Doc's one of the greatest of all time. Um, I was lucky enough to, to see him pitch. Um, I was lucky enough to face him. I mean, not lucky enough, but uh, definitely uh, pretty cool to be able to step in the, same, in the box and look up and see Roy Halladay. Um, what an incredible career. Um, an incredible person within the game, um, on the field, off the field. Um, the way he, you know, taught young guys, talked to young guys, um, veteran guys, everything. I mean, he was just, he was, he was a, you know, he was a legend in a lot of, you know, people's eyes and in my eyes as well. So um, it was really cool seeing that before the game. I thought Rallo did an unbelievable job um, talking about it, um, the stories that he had as well. And just uh, it fires you up a little bit, man. I mean, going out there and, and knowing how, you know, how much Philly loves uh, Doc and just the way he went about it and how fiery, how passionate he was. And uh, I think a lot of people can learn um, from him, the way he did go about it, the way he worked, the way, um, you know, he put baseball um, in the forefront of his mind when he was, you know, pitching. And it was just so much fun to watch. Um, so, I mean, going out there and, and doing our thing today for not just the fans out there, but for Doc as well um, and getting that, uh, getting that W um, was huge. I do think it gave the players a little extra emotion. And here's one more from Bryce talking about the way they've been playing lately. Just playing good baseball, um, timely hitting, good pitching. Um, I think you saw that today as well. And we're just we're ready to play every day. Um, not like, not that we weren't before, um, but it's time to go. It's time to you know win ball games and, and play well. Um, we got a you know we got a while to go though, um, so we just got to stay in it, stay locked in, and uh, keep doing the things we're doing uh, the right way. 
And we'll see if the Phils can continue to do it. Day off Monday. From a fan perspective, it stinks because when they're playing this well, you want to continue to see them, uh, you know, every day. Unfortunately, uh, no Phils tonight. They'll be back at it tomorrow night. Good pitching matchup. Nola versus Scherzer. So uh, we'll get our first look at Max Scherzer as a Dodger. Obviously, Phils have seen him plenty as a national over the years. So that's coming up on Tuesday. That'll do it for the show tonight. I'll be back on tomorrow uh, at 2 a.m. Next up, we will talk to Al for the Overlap Show. TK, what's happening? What's going on, Al? How's your, how was your weekend this weekend? It was weekend? a good What'd weekend. Nothing to complain about. No, there's nothing to, no, nothing for me to complain about today. Al, well, I'm you being, find, I always find something wrong with I'm, you. I mean, nothing, nothing for me to whine about. I'm all positive today. No, you're not. You got, you got the Jason Garrett thing. Oh, well, that was ridiculous. He, I, mean, I don't like him. He's an ass. I don't like him, but that was not fair. What wasn't fair? He was talking about what the players say to him when they get back to camp. What do you mean? That, that was the context of that. That somebody said something, and he said it's just like the players when they come. I go, yeah, that's what he, they, you know, call me. That that he was talking about what his players say to him. Are you sure so about I'm that? Positive about that. I think he was talking to the I media. I know it because he didn't get hammered in New York, and he would have. Well, I mean, even so, like uh, players a, I call I, I, players I, I, call I, coaches I, by their first name all the time. Already called Doug Doug. No, they call people coach usually. I did anyway, eh. but mo- most people say coach even J- after they like. Even if you have them for like American Legion, you see them later on. You play for them. You call them coach. Kids when, call me coach. When Jalen Hurts <laughs> is on with you guys, he said he called Doug Coach Doug. So what is that? Coach. I mean, I mean yeah. but also Doug. Yeah, no, he call even if you're. If you saw your Legion coach, your high school coach, you still call him coach. Jason Garrett doesn't deserve that level well, of respect. Well, I wish he'd been more mean because then it would have been, would have been I, I, I would have had less, I would have had more respect for him. Well, you, you like the operation Joe Judge is running up there? You, I don't know what to think of that. Guy's I, a clown. I, I just, it. I, I don't like any, I don't like anything like that. Like usually, I just don't think it generally works. I mean, it, I guess back in the day, maybe it would it worked, maybe, but I, I just think it's dangerous with people to to have 
to do something like that. I think she's Herb Brooks or something. Well, well, wind even sprints her, even and push-ups. Herb had kids. And, right, it's different. Yeah, they were yeah. a bunch of kids, and you know he had, had those kids. He had to kind of hammer those kids because they were <laughs> they were up against it. Right, but no, he was. Uh, I, I think he's a. It's a weird mix now of like even this guy here. I don't know what to think of Sirianni. Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know what to think. I mean, I like the energy, I guess, but I don't know what the play. All that matters is what players think. So I have no idea. I have no idea. He's a little long-winded with these question answers. Eh, I think he's. Yeah. I think, I think he's just trying to. I. I he's got a little ego to him. Yeah. Which is, I guess, not bad. I like the uh, Kobayashi. Uh, comparison they I go, made. That, that, was, that was good stuff. You didn't like that? I don't understand it, but whatever. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, you know, wearing jerseys and stuff like that. Whatever. Sometimes corny things work, and that's fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it, it matters that the veteran players buy in that his quarterback kind of buy. I don't, I don't understand not naming the quarterback the the starter. That's odd to me. Ah, it doesn't matter. It's it's the I, most overdone story. That, yeah, but that, that that does matter to me because uh, that that tells me that it's just a coach trying to say I'm the guy. I'm I'm the guy, and you're not the guy. It, it's your team leaders are the guy. I I don't see it that way at all. I just think it's one of these things where he wants to create competition. They don't want to say flat, but nobody thinks Flacco's going to win the starting job. I mean, yeah, but that's why you, you should say it because you, you, this guy needs to be established as your leader. The, the quarterback needs to be established as your leader. I just don't understand why you wouldn't. Why it's so important that it's your message is above the. Like this is the guy. Everybody knows he's the guy. Like who cares? Why? Why I is it? I I just don't. I don't. I, don't I, get I it. think if you, I, if I was, I it's confusing to me. Like you want that guy to be your guy. I mean, to me, I do everything to pump him up. Everything, because because he's everything. So much depends on him. Yeah, but I don't think he's like. Maybe part of the reason they're not worried about it is because he's not like this mentally fragile guy they no, need to worry not, about. You still can pump him up. It's just. Uh, I don't know. I just it, it's all it, it it just smacks to me a little bit of it's my way. This is this is this is hmm. this is uh the patriot way. This is the this is the Sirianni way. But if it works it works. I mean if it works it works it's fine. A lot of people down there. Um a lot, the better part was to cross the street. Yeah. to see that place rocking. How how about that, Al? 8 in a row and now it looks like we might have playoff baseball coming back. Oh yeah. Uh, I because the Mets are Mets are done. Just, it's it's just, the Braves at this point. Yeah, that's what everybody's afraid of at the beginning. Like this, you leave the door open. I don't know when are they getting people back ever or not. No, Acuna is done. Um, I, but everybody else, I think they will have back at some point. But Acuna Acuna's done, and obviously he's their best player. Yeah, well, if he's. I mean, they can still catch you. I mean, they're. I don't know what their schedule looks like compar- comparatively. I mean, the Phillies have a pretty tough stretch right now, but then they're. You know they're they're not killing themselves with their schedule. The Mets is going to get worse and worse. Phillies have the easiest schedule in baseball. Braves twenty um, fifth, so so theirs is pretty, pretty close, easy yeah. as well. Yeah. And how many times they play each other? That's the I key. I think only once. I think they only. Mm-hmm. I think the Phillies go oh, to yeah, Atlanta they, the yeah, last week. They don't end week. the season like the, the way no. that they thought they should. No, they they go to Atlanta one time. The last week of the season, and that's it. The Phillies end the season at Miami. That's not no. good. 
<laughs> that, that's already but that at least you're looking you... forward to that yeah. we didn't think we'd be looking past labor day yeah it's no. like that we thought it'd be over by by labor day so that was awesome to have that back it was just it was really it was a lot of people down there it was a lot of more of a return well after with everything going on sort of a return to normalcy i mean you saw the place packed you, you know it's just uh you saw mets fans it was a uh, it was really it was what you've been missing for a long time. You wondered if they were, if it had the ability to bounce back. That's what I was worried about. The ability. I mean, I figured this weekend. I mean, this was a you know, this was a real test. If you couldn't if you couldn't pack it for this, in, in addition to the New Yorkers that were down, you weren't going to be able to pack it. So we'll see what happens with the you know with with the rebound from this. You have to. You can't let this just. It's it's hard to ask a team to keep. Keep on keeping on after eight in a row. I mean, you just, you know, logically. Right. How many can you run out there? But I'll tell you the guy under the most intense, the the critical guy right now is Nola. Yep. It's like, it's like, you know, everybody's sort of raised the bar, you know, from your utility players, the middle of your lineup, which you'd counted on, the power that you'd counted on, some better defensive play. And it was like, okay, now your end of the bargain is to be one of our two best pitchers. And isn't it weird that it comes like like it's it's suddenly September for him. <laughs> it's like, and he does not fare well in September. Typically. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, this is an early September to to see what you have. I mean, he's really the guy to me that's under the most scrutiny here on on keeping your end of the bargain up. And a huge start for him Tuesday night. He goes right, up against yeah. Scherzer. That's I mean, exactly if can... right. I mean, if when you look at it, it's like okay, you had this many games in a row. You were one of the few low notes during it, and now this is a this is a big moment to come. This is you know after the other guys further prove that he's the ace and comes up and on a big day emotionally turns in an unbelievable performance, and now this is. This is right cut out for you. Uh, this is a moment for you to to prove it here. And Gibson, the guy that got Friday night, he was oh, great. He's like fun to watch, he isn't is he? He's got a lot of emotion. Yeah, it, he is. That was a good move. It was a good move. Just it really helped. But this uh, this Nolan now, man, it's uh, this is a monster for him. I mean, even if you lose it to to fare well in it, to to kind of go toe to toe with somebody, this is a this is a huge game for. You know, you can lose this game, I guess. I mean, you're playing a really good team. You've won so many in a row. But you can't you can't not go a certain number of innings. You can't ha- not have a quality start, as they say, right. in this thing. I mean, Wheeler's I – mean, I watch a lot of baseball. There aren't many guys that pitch deep into games like Wheeler. No. He, he, I mean, he's – Consistently. I mean, I mean, you count on six and a half, seven, whatever. I mean, you, you just pencil it in. But this uh, – Nola's got a – whoo, man – you, you you better show up for this one. And Wheeler, he was he was as dominant as we have seen him on Sunday. I mean, yeah. he was just mowing through that order. Quick, boom, boom, boom. That was a fast game. It really was. It was. <laughs> it, was, a, it, was it was the ninth inning. I'm like, hell? it's three. Well, it was almost like it, it was almost confusing because some people, you know, you get used to baseball. Say, I'll tune into the seventh inning. You tune in, it's a post game, right? <laughs> the hell. Ricky Bowe and, and Michael didn't even have anything to yell about. They were no, even in good well, moods. Well, they had uh, all kinds of stuff going on in the game. I mean, yeah. that, they did a good job with that whole weekend. I thought it was pretty cool. They made their booth like a lounge. Jimmy there. Rollins is really good. Jimmy's great. He's I wish really, he was really good doing all the games. He really, he's fun. He's just a fun listen. 
and he gives just he gives you stuff too. So I mean, I I, I thought it was a real, a really plus plus three weekend for him. I mean, everything they hit on just about everything. Harper's like right there right now. He's playing well. He's you know critical at bats. It's like wow, he's got he's got something going on here. And Real Mutu, you had to get them all together going, which never th- you never thought you were going to see it. Like when the hell is this middle of the order going to pull them out of things? And finally, finally, it happened. And Segura too. Segura's been Segura's great this been year. Great too. And uh, actually, Oduble had a, a yeah, huge home run. And yeah, d- defensively, yep, it was really uh, you know really. I mean, you know he's going to fail you at times, mm-hmm. but he can give you some real highlight moments. So I mean that they they had a lot of things going right. The with, catcher the catcher was big too. And without Hoskins too. I mean you know Miller stepped in and, and hit a couple yeah. of homers. Yeah, Hoskins is you know Hoskins is um he's an interesting character. His, his stats are remarkable. Yeah, the number of home runs that he has. But you watch him day to day, and you've ever said, "Well, if the Phillies, if they had to make a trade, this would be the guy that that." I mean, you think he'd he'd bring you back a lot just in terms of his stats. So I mean, they and they don't when he's not there, you miss him, but you don't. It's odd. That's a bad thing to say, but yeah, but you, you can make it up. I think he's going to be a guy that's much more valuable when the DH is in, and, oh, yeah. and he'll be just your DH. You can just focus on hitting. Yeah, and and I think he'll be much much more valuable then. Yeah. And the other thing with this team is they're exciting because they're never out of it, but they're also exciting because it's never locked down. I know. Like, <laughs> would, would like, you be shocked if I they, would, like— I don't feel safe. If they were no. ahead 4-1 to one or behind 4-1, to one, I don't think they're going to win or they're going to lose. No, and just <laughs> just like now, like, if they lose 8 out of their next 10, I wouldn't be stunned by it. No. Like, at all. Uh, but it, uh, <laughs> it, it, you go late in the game, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. There's, there's <laughs> nothing there's nothing to be sure about. How about the guy Saturday, the back-to-back-to-back home runs? That was unbelievable. Well, I thought— that the manager was going to have an aneurysm, and I was too. The with three the new battery, rule, that's yeah. a stupid rule. Yeah, that's it's just a stupid rule. It's, yeah, but at the same time, like it's maybe ridiculous. don't put that guy in in that yeah, spot. But you got lefty, lefty. I mean, it takes out so. I don't understand that rule a little bit. Yeah, I, when it came in, I'm like, what do you what? Well, because the, the, like it really isn't speeding the game up at all, and like no. that was the intention. And if that's if if it's not doing that, then there's no point to having. No, it. it's. So. It, it's just stupid. I mean, I I hope, and they've made rule changes during seasons before. I would make sure before the playoffs. I get rid. I don't even. Does this count in the playoffs or does this? I don't even know because they yeah. have some rules that don't count in the playoffs. Uh, the 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 zombie runner is not in the playoffs. No, I That's, know that. But yeah. this one is this one's in. I think so. Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Well, now this I'm, I'm looking ahead to the playoffs. I already have this team in the playoffs. I'm like, <laughs> but I don't even. I have not even looked. But last week, I I I had the. My bet of the year was the Phillies to win the division was plus 270 last week. I don't know what it wow. is now, but I can't believe in a week that it didn't go way down. Yeah. It was plus 270. Al, how fun would a Phillies-Giants playoff oh series be? Oh, my God. It would be uh, we're already looking the, forward to it. Uh, the ultimate. Oh, it would, it would be... You dream about that matchup. You just dream about a matchup now, like that. Now it I looks like, like that idea. I love oh. it. if they got in, they'd probably get the Brewers because whoever wins the West will probably be the first seed. But man, if there was any way they could play the Giants, it would just be incredible. If they if they both got through the first round and it was Phillies Giants to go to the World Series, 
Oh my God, that would be nah. that would be like one of the biggest series ever. I'm not even sure if they're safe out there to make the playoffs, despite what's gone on. Well, the they're safe probably to get in the playoff, but I, I mean, know, one game could... playoff, anything can happen. Yeah, and and plus with I don't know, maybe they'll fall apart in September. No idea. I I'm looking at it and go maybe maybe it'll be like what happened here. Maybe it'll all come undone. Yeah, because they're gonna have trouble holding off the Dodgers. Dodgers <laughs> are only four back, and I mean that that it's like an all star team. It's yeah. crazy. And they're you know they're they're gonna be a, I mean they're gonna be a tough out for any I mean for anybody. I mean they're just, they just they just pack they just pack their team. I, and I love when the Dodgers do that. I mean I I'm a guy that I like. I want big markets in. I don't care if they win the whole thing, but when I'm watching playoffs, I want those big markets. I want guys I know to to. It just helps everybody in the playoffs. Even if if they don't get through, they got beat by somebody, but they're there. It I, just makes it a better. It's it's a better show. I respect how much the Dodgers like truly want to win. Like every year, they go all in, and and like it's kind of the way the Phillies used to be. It's the way they should be, right? I mean, you know, it's. I mean, although I will say, hammering them over the luxury tax, nobody. I mean, even even the Yankees, the Red Sox, they're they're all cautious of it. It's like their standing with other owners is becomes more important than their standing with. Right, that's what it's about. That's what it is. It's like don't be the one that does this. Don't be the 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 one that does this to us. It's like a it's like an owner standing. It's like, what are, you, what are you doing? This is not what we do. This is not, this is not how we do business. So, but, I mean, he made I, – I, I give him credit. The moves they made have been okay. You know, they, they – um, If they'd just gotten one more starter, huh, that, yeah. like, that would have been huge. If the, the, the deal that fell apart with the Pirates for that guy Anderson, if you'd just gotten him, it would fill things out so much better. Yeah, well, we'll see because now it's all up to uh, – to, to, to me, like, it's – if if they win this next game with the you know pitching matchup, I'll feel fifty percent better. That is the that is what's gonna be the matchup, right? Yep. Yes. I will feel good as I feel, that 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 would make me fifty percent more. Fifty percent, that's a large uh, that's increase. A, but there. look at it. Look at what's look at what's coming up. what's on what's on the what's on the line there. That would be it would be and and the other way if Nola has a really bad outing, like four innings, whatever, I like all this fifty percent worse. Would, well, it will. <laughs> it honestly would. It would feel. It would feel like what the hell. Well, this is supposed to be. It doesn't look like they're seeing Kershaw. They're seeing Price on Wednesday. Price is done at this point, right? Uh, I mean, been around forever. Yeah, yeah. And then Urias is pretty good on Thursday. And Wednesday afternoons. Is there that's an, an afternoon? afternoon that's yeah. A, Afternoon game. Thursday's an afternoon game. Night, it's gonna be like a thousand degrees on Thursday too. I still oh, think really? they'll get a good crowd. Okay. No, I think this is gonna be a big. This be a big deal coming in. And then Thursday we got the Phillies in the afternoon, and then the Eagles at night. Eagles game this week. Is that here? Yep. Oh, I, my God, yeah, man. I think it's here. <laughs> Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> ah, those games. You're excited the first. Oh, I love I'm, it. You see, you see what the coach uses for, uh, you know, starters and stuff. There's no way he's gonna run people out there. If, it's just not going to happen. Sirianni might be diff- different nah, than Doug. I don't know. He's, look at it. With his practices are short now. Yeah, I, I think, think that's more of a front office decision, anyway. To be honest, I think the whole league decision. Yeah, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yep. All right, TK. All right, Al. Have a fine. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good. Next up, Al's coming up with the something show.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.